so it was March 22nd uh, that Robert Mueller turned his report into Attorney General William Barr. I love America and the founding of America. We are going to be one of about four media sources countrywide that are just going to be delivering you the information from the report. I was 18. When I was 18, I would have been like, let's do it. All this stuff you're talking about now, Bernie Sanders, AOC, let's do it. Let's, let's do, do it right it. now. Welcome to the salt of the streets. Coming at you every week with this food for thought. Hope you're ready to eat. With everything going on in this nation, we need some information. And that's why salt need to be stationed in your rotation. With real talk and real topics, real people, real problems. Think we need some help to solve them and leave it up to Colin and the Donovan. Cause that's the what, what's and just like a red, white, and blue phoenix rising from the ashes of political bipartisanship, we are back. To Salt of the Streets podcast. This is Saturday, fucking March 23rd, 9.42 a.m. Episode. Episode 53. <laughs> I threw myself off. I unlocked my phone. Dude, I thought about much. that all morning. And I, I was like, it. "It's we missed myself. last week. I bet you he's going to miss it this I week. myself. So welcome back, everybody, to the Salt of the Streets podcast. Your one and only source for social and political commentary on weekly news, pop culture, and sports, all completely built from the ground up for people like you and me, the everyday normal person. So come and join us as we discuss life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and continue our endless and tireless efforts to bridge the gap between people and information. As always, we are your hosts. I am Colin Donovan. And coming up on this week's show, the Mullen investigation has wrapped up. President Trump flexed his executive veto power. We're going to check in on some Democratic presidential hopefuls. And I think we're going to start with the 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 topic we've been kind of pushing back for the last couple of weeks. The episode of Joe Rogan with Jack, Jack Dorsey, Vidya... Vigigati. Vigigati. And I was like, we just talked about her name. And Tim And Poole. I don't remember her last one. And Tim Pool, yes. So we're going to start with that. It's all about the Twitter and the censorship and all sorts of good stuff. Plus, it's been a couple weeks, so we're going to have some things to catch up on. Good. I went to the Meat, Eater, the Meat Eater podcast live recording last week, and then I also went to Comic-Con. It was a busy, busy week with lots of fun stories. So all of that and more coming up on this week's show. But of course, I make you do this every time now. You want to plug us, baby? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before that, I want to tell you. um, So Marvel and Fox, they were trying to work out a deal, right? Remember? It fucking closed. It closed on like Thursday, I think. $71.3 billion Disney purchased Fox. So now, finally, X-Men is with the rest of Marvel and all the everything. And they're like putting together a streaming service, Disney, so that they can have yes. all their kids stuff. And they also own Hulu so they can have all the stuff over here. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. I think this ties in great with our, our first discussion. Yeah. And I th- be- that's. I'm excited about the Disney thing a little bit. But I'm also afraid of what the cost is going to be mm-hmm. and what it's going to look like. And if they're going to like shit on some of the other streaming services because that and I think cable news is going to take a hard hit. Well, they're keeping their shit um, as far as their streaming services like separated. Like the Disney one they're making is very much like a 
child oriented like oh, that's yeah. where like most of the Pixar movies and family movies and shit are going to be in family TV shows um, and the other stuff is going to be on because like I said they own Hulu and shit like that yeah. too so it's going to be the other stuff is going to be on those type of things there's going to be more movies on Hulu because Hulu has shit movies yeah know? they do and so they're going to have way better movies now because they have all these Fox movies so anything that's made by Fox 20th Century Fox 21st Century Fox all you know what the gonna fuck go to Hulu? yeah because Disney owns Hulu. I did not know that. That is insane. Okay, yeah, because I knew that Netflix had talked a lot of shit lately. Because Deadpool like, two is on, is on Hulu. Ooh, or Deadpool so, two so is maybe fun. Fox owns Hulu. Either way, oh, Hulu, either way, Hulu's involved in this somehow. Okay, and so all those movies, Hulu. dude, I would not hate for Hulu to get Be a stronger. Yeah, that I would not hate that because shows are most good of on my Hulu. shows. Yeah, I want like my reoccurring old TV shows. Like right now, I'm in a King of the Hill thing, yeah, going right, through that right. whole thing. South Park um, is on Hulu. South Park is Family Guy now, American yeah. Dad, Bob's Burgers, yes. and all those shows I like to watch periodically, just in the background all the time. Netflix used to have all those. Yes, now they don't. I went to Hulu. You know, original content, good like long form story episode. You know. Those type of TV shows, Netflix is where it's Netflix at, though. Netflix makes good shit. You know, but I'm really excited I to concur. see what transpires at the end of this. Yes, I still, 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 still hold firm, and I'll swear to this. The best X-Men will be an X-Men TV show serialized on something like HBO or service where they can there can be as much everything as they want. Mm. That will be the best X-Men. Serialized for 12 seasons, Fucking 30 episodes a season. That's how you're doing it. That's how you're making your money. That's how you're making people like me happy is making X-Men that way. That's, that would put Hulu on the map. Have that be their flagship show that is Netflix original in quality, but have it be a Hulu original and it just compete at that level. That would yeah. that would break through, I think. So make it go. happen. There you go. I swear to God, that's the way to do it. I mean, um, if they can make a podcast as good as the Wolverine God, one. good. God, they can make good. a show worth it, man. I listened to that over Christmas. It's when so I was good. At work. Fuck, it's good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to share that with you. So like I said, you can you can find us uh, on our private social medias. I am at alpac underscore dominant on Instagram and at salt of the street on Twitter. He is at big bird Offie on both of those things. We have salt of the streets Instagram, salt of the streets YouTube, salt of the streets Facebook. Everything at salt of the streets dot com. You can find our podcast everywhere. Um, Rate us, review us. It helps people find the podcast. It really helps us out. So if you love what we're doing, share it with people so we can do it more. I uh, would love to make money and do this instead of work. That would be fantastic. It would be. So we could bring you greatness every day. Every day. So until then, keep loving us. Uh, so let's move on. We're going to talk about Jack Dorsey and Joe Rogan. Right? Let's do it. So Jack Dorsey is the CEO of Twitter. CEO and founder of Twitter. He like created Twitter. Um, and I think it's important to mention he's also the CEO of a lot of other big tech companies too, like yes. PayPal and Square, or not not PayPal. He was one of the people in PayPal, right? Along Something with Elon like Musk. But yeah. yeah, I know Square. He's a big part of, and you know, he's, also Periscope because Twitter owns Periscope. Yeah. But I don't know if he's on the board for Periscope. He's on the board of a bunch of other things. Yeah, um, he's he's big. So there's been increasing concern, especially lately, about Twitter 
banning people who are on the conservative side of the spectrum and protecting people who are on the progressive side of the spectrum, right? And so Tim Pool, who is like an independent journalist and obviously widely regarded as someone who's like tapped into the internet with his fucking fingers in and, you know, oh, he knows in. all the people and the stuff. And um, I'm very much not... Not that I don't, like, I know shit, you know, because I'm, I'm millennial and I know about the internet, but I am not dark web, hands in, know all the fucking, you know, weird coded language that people use. Like, I don't know all of that shit because I don't give a fuck about that. He's um, deeply entrenched in the internet side of the culture war. Yes. And that's where he really flexes his his journalistic muscles these days. And so his concern, he had several concerns um, that I think we can probably try and address like, you know, individually mm-hmm. because there's going to, so I got, I got different feelings about this just before we even move on. Right. I thought that Tim Poole was a huge douche. Um, and I don't agree with a lot of the stuff that he said, just the way that he like did it, you know, but I'm not like, on the side of Twitter. I just thought he was a huge douche. So some of this stuff is disagreeing with, like, with his overall, his, manner. his general opinion, and then also just the things that he laid out, like, in general, you know? Yeah, the uh, way he so. presents his arguments, at least on that, because he was really animated. Very. He's really new to that, that large of a stage, too, by the way. Um, but, you know, I think, yeah, he was very defensive, very, very argumentative. Um, and you know very rude in a lot of ways yeah and he can be like that normally if you've ever watched this stuff i've followed him for quite a while and he does some really really good stuff too but in this case like his he was kind of an asshole and i think i think you're very justified in saying that um and so one of the things that he talked about was an ideology that he I don't even want to say claimed because I agree with what he's saying, right? Mm-hmm. That, so that there was an ideology that is being expressed through Twitter's terms and conditions regarding discrimination, right? Yes. Um, and I thought there was a lot of confusion. And at one point, Vigigati called him out for intentionally misrepresenting what she was saying, which he absolutely was doing. Um, that she was being very specific that there conditions and terms and and policy around discrimination is based on like personal stuff not about expressing ideology that you're allowed to say whatever you want in general but it's about when you talk about one person in particular and so he would bring up one case about one person talking to somebody and she would say well in this case this is you know why we did this whether or not we agree with it and without trying to argue those points he would just talk about the whole thing in general that, you know, well, you're not letting people express this. And she said, well, that isn't true. Like yeah. we, people are allowed to express that on the platform. Like you can say whatever you want. And I believe her term was targeted harassment. Yes. It's yes. blatant targeted harassment, which just because you at somebody. Yeah. Doesn't mean that you're trying to target. Right. A specific person. You might be. But in the grand scheme of things, if everyone else is doing that as well. Yeah. You might be popped in that in the algorithmic form and she also said that it like once it does get reported or popped through the algorithm that it's reviewed by a person and they look at the context and all the other tweets that are like in the thread and on your page and other people's page like they look Mm -hmm. into that stuff 
to see whether or not that is valid, you know, before they give you one of those strikes that they were talking about or make you take the tweets down or whatever. Like they, yeah. she said that there are nothing just gets taken down forever by an algorithm. You know, yeah. like there is always someone who looks at it before something like that happens. Yeah. And I feel like he, he just, he was trying to overlook a lot of that, you know? Yeah. So like I said, a lot of that is just, some of that stuff is personal shit he was doing, you know, that I didn't agree with, but I agree that it is slightly contradictory for them to claim total objectivity, but then has a rule that talks about discrimination and then talks in particular about misgendering and stuff like that. Like that's, yes. you know what I'm saying? And it's, it's very interesting. That was know? one of his points um, was the fact that due to having that, that particular rule yeah. in your terms and services that, by definition, gives that company an ideological bent. Yes. Because that is not illegal. Right. It is, it is not, it is not in terms with the Constitution of the United States. It's not a bar, you know, a completely neutral free speech argument. You know, it puts you on one side of a spectrum or the other. And in that particular case, he's not wrong. No. And the only thing I thought was disingenuous about that argument is I, am not so quick to assume that it is because Jack Dorsey and the other people at Twitter are trying to express their own ideology. Like, I don't yeah. think that that's the case. You know, I very much believe that in the modern social era that we're in, the small progressive regressive left minority is way more vocal than most other people on the political spectrum. And if they're the ones that are going to be most vocal, they're the ones that Jack Dorsey and everyone on Twitter is going to have to deal with the most. And if yeah. they are the ones that are screaming about trans people and dead naming and misgendering, I feel like it was easier for him at the time, whether or not it was a mistake, right? Because that's another thing I want to address in a minute is, but at the time, they felt it was easier. Well, let's just put this, you know, we'll slap these terms onto the terms and conditions, and then they can't say that we're not addressing it because it's yeah. right here in particular. This is something we're focused on. You know? CYA, cover right. your ass. Exactly. You know, that's, I very much believe, I don't know for a fact, but I believe that that is the case, you know. Um, as far as the mistakes that they made, right, I am also very willing to give them the benefit of the doubt because. Jack Dorsey, very much the same as Mark Zuckerberg, could have had no fucking way to fathom what their creation was going to turn into. Or no. even two years ago, or whenever they wrote those words into the into the rules, had no idea what was going to happen in between then and now. You know, he had no way to be able to measure that. If you looked, if you asked me four years ago or anybody four years ago, no one would tell you this is what America is going to look like today. No. You know, they have no way of knowing that. And Nobody I think does. that it's like this guy, Tim Pool, is not giving them anywhere near enough credit for he's just complaining about shit and then not giving any type of like, this is what you should do. You know, just like and he said several times, well, I disagree with what you're doing, but that's your ideology. Nothing is going to change. Like, then yeah. why the fuck are you here, man? Then why are you here? If you're just here to bitch about it, then go home. Like, if that's all you're going to do is just complain, then go the fuck home because you're sitting here complaining, but also admitting at the same time, you don't know what the fuck to do about it. Mm -hmm. Jack Dorsey has no idea what to do. He is sitting there as one person who made something and is like, I don't know, man, let's try this. Let's, I don't, try, like, let's try this because I don't know what the fuck to do. It's the internet. I don't, no one can control it. It's the internet. You know, yeah. we're just trying to do what we can. I know. And I mean, you think about <clears throat> the grand scheme of this whole thing is, is Twitter essentially was, you know, a 
a free speech platform. It was a public. Yeah. It was a privately owned public square. And you can't control what's said in that public square. But because you're a private company and there's, you know, there's ad revenue involved and there's a lot of public hands in this whole thing. And it, you know, it's so far reaching that like the public demands that you meet their requirements, which is why everybody's so fucking loud on Twitter. Mm -hmm. You know, I went down this train the other day of Chrissy Teigen stuff. I know nothing about Chrissy Teigen other than apparently she likes food. She loves food. And, but like a lot of her tweets, man, were all these, I went down this food tweet rabbit hole and she's a big blue check mark people. So every, even those little tweets have thousands upon thousands of like comments and retweets and all this stuff. And, and that's somebody who's not involved in like a hot button issue. It's food we're talking about. And so to have to try to, officiate those conversations, if you will, with all those people on all those hot button social and political issues, you're never going to be right. No matter what you do, no matter what you try, unless you no, even if you just go all hands off and say, whatever one side is going to get mad at you. And it's almost like who's louder. And do you feel the more public pressure? And at the end of this, I had a really hard time and still have a really hard time getting away from the fact that at the end of the day, it's this guy's company. You know, mm-hmm. we live in America. It's fucking Jack Dorsey's company. If he wants to put in whatever fucking rules he wants to put in, he is, he is allowed to do that, you yeah. know, because I had a hard time with Tim Pool making the argument that he was restricting people's free speech, you know, because it's not. Twitter's not the only place that you can speak. That's not by any means the only place that you can speak because Jack Dorsey, by banning you off of Twitter, is not closing your fucking mouth. You can still go outside. You can still talk to whoever the fuck you want. You just can't do it on Twitter. I have a really hard time with that argument. You know what I'm saying? I understand that that is where, that's where attention is focused right now. But 10 years ago, it would have been Facebook. It's, it's just mm-hmm. circumstantial that right now that it's Twitter. Well, this know? is, and I, on the other side of that is, you know, what if just socially and culturally, this is the public forum? And by, you know, that's a very valid argument, I think, by pulling somebody out of that public forum that's privately run and owned and operated, if that's where the conversation is happening, if that's the only real place where, like, let's say your only following was on Twitter. Yeah. Mind you, that's on you because you're not broadening your your base and stuff. But if that's the only place and you get banned off of Twitter, you are effectively silenced. But, I mean, that's your own fault because you haven't built up a, a platform that is your own that you can run. I mean, it's kind of the same road that Jordan Peterson and... Dave Rubin and a couple of these other IDW people are, are looking at with starting this new platform. Have you heard anything about that? I have heard that they're starting a new platform. Yeah. It's yeah. all really, really quiet, but they keep saying they're working on it. Yeah. And so that's their goal is to be able to have another place where to compete. And, you know, I think even during this episode, they brought up a place like Gab. Yeah. Which I know nothing about Gab. It's very similar to Twitter from but what I understand. But it's very, very small. Yeah. I guess there's about a million active users or something. I don't remember the number, but it was incredibly small when compared to something like Twitter. And so I can see the argument, and I I generally land on your your line of thought, which just because a private company bans you, that doesn't mean they're impeding on your free speech. I'm sorry, but that's 
legally, they're not. And it's a private company. You know, if you don't follow those rules, then you don't get to be on that platform. That's that's yeah. how that works. You know, you you it's this, I don't know. I ha- I just I have a really hard time with that. You know, yeah. you you can't go into a private business and start saying whatever the fuck you want. They can ask you to leave. They have that right. If you go on Twitter and you're saying shit that they don't want on there, regardless of how you feel about it, you know, mm-hmm. because in the end it's a private company and they can have whatever rules they want as long as they aren't directly discriminatory for And is it something just you me? can defend, you know? Is it weird <laughs> that the people that are most argumentative about this and the loudest about this are the conservatives generally the people that are generally lean conservative or are publicly seen to lean conservative and that seems like tim pool is very far from a conservative he yeah just like joe rogan and they keep getting lumped together as like alt-right right and same with dave rubin i saw another fucking article from slate the other day calling him a an alt-right you know commentary show which Definitely far from that, but in the in the grand scheme of things, most of the people that are affected by this and are angry about this are conservatives. Yeah, who would generally you would think argue the fact that it's a private company they can do, they what, can do what the fuck they it's want. It's weird. It is you know? so weird. Everything is we're in the upside down because because right. I think it's so strange because if the rule was flipped the other way, that however it happened, you know that it allowed for you to quote unquote misgender somebody but if you weren't allowed to misgender yourself you know if you were a biological woman you had to represent yourself that way you couldn't identify as a man on this platform people would flip the fuck out and conservatives would be like well that's how it should be biologically this is correct you can't that's just a lie you know so I don't understand like it's it doesn't make any sense to me I don't know the the way the new conservatives are I mean they have effectively become the the new you know, ideology of free speech, yeah. which is weird because it's historically been the other way around. And now it's maybe it's that pendulum thing. You know, it's swinging so far left maybe. that we're getting back over to the or the, the horseshoe, you know. Yeah, it's it's really, really strange. There was also another point where Tim Pool claimed that not claimed. He said that Twitter is so I guess he did claim claimed that Twitter is swaying elections. Right. Mm-hmm. And that. Because Americans are being banned for breaking the rules, but foreign entities have access as long as they play by the rules. And yeah. that's that's how they're swaying elections because people aren't allowed to be on there, you know, and do what they want. But I I think by, I, again like, I'm confused by that, you know, and he yeah. at some point went on for like two or three minutes and at the end was like, So if you have a platform that's so powerful that even the president is on there and there are four entities on there, then isn't isn't it your duty to allow Americans to to like to be involved in this political discourse? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? Like what do those two things have to do with each other? The fact that the president is on here, like it I don't understand. That's, like Yeah, he makes that up with the the public uh you know, square again, the public forum in the private company yes. along with that because i think it's when he talks about that it's it's a completely separate thing but when he talks about like foreign entities being able to sway elections and well actually the way he would say it was twitter can sway elections or does sway elections and twitter as an entity does not do anything other than f- facilitate voices to be heard that might sway an election one way or the other. Right. And I think I think it's poor wording on his choice, but I if I know him correctly enough and from what he've heard, that's the argument he's really trying to make. 
He's just doing kind of a bad job at it at that point. And it misrepresents the role that everyone has claimed that the tech companies play up until this point, you know, because that's been at least everybody from the technological side that I would assume Tim Pool is on, that everyone is like, no, that's not Facebook's fault. That's not Twitter's fault. That's not anybody's fault because they're just a platform. They're just hosting material, you know? Mm -hmm. That's not their deal. Like, it has to do with the people that are on it and with the shit they're saying. So when did this turn around, you know? I don't, like, that doesn't make any sense to me. And he, I don't know. They're, it was they're so treating strange. it so much like a like a governmental entity. Like this is the government. We should be fighting against the government's you yeah. know, use of free speech and you know the the argument that the left used to have back in like the sixties and seventies. But this the problem is it's just because they're the ones with the power to dictate the way the conversation goes because they are, you know, in a sense monopolized in this this square. You know, this private public forum thing. Um. They're the ones that control that. All the, you know, YouTube, Twitter, even Instagram in a way, Facebook, all that stuff. They but have Twitter so much has power. not. But Twitter has not monopolized public discourse the way that he kept claiming that. No, they that haven't. They have. Like that's not. He kept saying that Twitter has control over over discourse and elections, and I don't. That does. That's well, they not don't have control the case, over. You know, it. that's like that's not yeah. the case. That Twitter does not have a monopoly on political discourse. There is no shortage of different companies that you can go to to try and express your opinion and there's nothing to stop you if you have a good enough opinion from writing a piece and putting it out there and people wanting to read it if you are shitty at expressing yourself no one is going to want to fucking listen to you that's the same reason that you would have no followers on twitter is because you are shitty at talking and no Damn, one wants to listen going after my twitter like, followers like that i also have fucking dick for twitter followers like but no i know I, what you're you talking know, about I'm, though I like that doesn't hold weight to me because yeah. that is only circumstantial. You know, in five years that will not be the case. So to oh. make the argument that that's Twitter's like that that's them, I think that's bullshit. It's yeah. disingenuous because, like I said, ten years ago, no one would have given a fuck about Twitter. So we wouldn't have been saying the same shit. It would have been Facebook. So it has nothing to do with this company, you know? The company it's just, itself. It's what happens within it. It's just like which is out of their control in the grand scheme of things, or should be. But I don't know. It's a weird thing because you know you remember back when there was so much talk about net neutrality and yes. you know there was that concept of making the internet a public utility in a sense so that you it's regulated by the government and yeah. not a private company. It's and the same thing Tim like ele- the the electric company is, you know, PSE is essentially run by the the government even though they're privately owned. It's that's kind of what I think he acts under the assumption that there's something that the government might want to do or that he thinks that, well, I don't know if he even thinks that, but his, <sighs> his when I follow his reasoning out yeah. to a logical end, it involves government regulation. Because that's he kept saying that, that he thinks they should be regulated, that that's yeah. what he okay. thinks the answer is, that they need to be regulated because they have... You know, because they're doing too much of that. And I don't, he kept talking about, and he also kept referencing, I don't want to say that over and over, but he referenced that they should be abiding by American norms because they're an American company. And Vidya said, well, that's fine, but 75% of the people on Twitter are not in the United States. Yeah. So for us to abide by American standards for, for free speech doesn't make any sense. Like that's, no. he said, Jack Dorsey said, we follow more of the rules of the UN. You know, and like those are things we look at and that's part of part of the way how we arrived at these particular set of rules. And it doesn't 
Again, this is a private company. You know what I'm saying? They can allow people to say whatever they want on there. If you think there should be a social media that is 100% free speech, then the government needs to make that because that's the only time that's going to be the case is when there is a government-run social media that people get to sign up for, and it's going to be shitty and terrible. And I think they said, imagine? I think they talked about that on this podcast for at least a moment. Yeah. That it would be shitty and terrible, but like that's the only way that you can guarantee free speech on there because the government, if they owned a social media could not by any means touch anybody's anything unless they are directly threatening somebody things that are not covered by free speech yeah that's the only way that's going to happen because of that it's a free company it's or not a free company it's a privately owned company in a free country and they can do whatever the fuck they want with it as long as it does not infringe on protected whatever you know things Mm -hmm. that are protected by discrimination yeah and that's yeah, it's really interesting. And I don't know that calling somebody who identifies as a woman a man is protected under discrimination laws, you know? That ideology Unless you're in Canada. like that ideology is protected that you can think that that is not the case. I don't think that you are a biological woman because you were born a man. You are allowed to say that and express that. But I very much think that in a public square, if you stood in front of a police officer or in front of a judge or a lawyer and saw a transgendered woman who was born a woman and, and or a, a transgender woman who was born a man right and called that person a man and that person said i'm gonna sue this guy the lawyer would be like let's fucking do it let's do it because he can't do that because that's discriminating it's whatever you know yeah you know, maybe not that particular scenario but like taking that into account like expressing it against one particular person like you can't do that shit you know so i don't i don't know yeah i mean that well the transgender one is is a hard one to have because like you say, like misgendering someone. Yes. There's a difference that like bill C 16 in Canada and stuff doesn't recognize. And it's the fact that regardless of you may not know what they want to be identified as. Yes. And so you can unknowingly misgender somebody at any point at any time. Word. So, so I, you're correct. So I should clarify, right? If you know like that someone, yes, if you write, that is, thank you. Because if, if, if you know that someone identifies as a woman, right? And you call them a man, I feel very confident that they would be able to find at least fucking 10 lawyers that would be willing to take a case against you for having discriminated against this person when you knew that they, that they identified a certain way, mm-hmm. you know? Whether or not I think they could win, I don't know. But I know that there are people who would argue that case. And I feel like that's why they're doing shit like that on Twitter is because that's – Yeah. And like – You know what I'm saying? Like one-on, one-on-one type of thing, like a personal interaction, I don't think would be actionable by law. But if it's in any any form of like a – let's say like a job interview or a refusal of any kind of service or a refusal right. to be treated equally under the law. And we do not have so maybe know, that's free speech and free I'm... thought laws. So we, I don't think that would happen on a one-on-one basis. At least I wouldn't hope so. And I think that's more what I'm getting at by coming up with shitty examples of it. You know, because that's I started with things that would be protected under discrimination. And that's what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. Things that for reasons yeah. you could feasibly say that you are discriminating against somebody and came up with two horrible fucking scenarios, <laughs> as I am very apt to do. Um, so, yeah, I think you're correct. And I think that's more of why they're following those things is because if it – there are 
I don't know, you know, and yeah. I, again, I, I, I very much agree that it does begin to show the ideological bend when, when dead naming and misgendering are the only things that are stated in specific, mm-hmm. you know, and dead naming, um, just to clarify for those who don't know, is essentially if somebody right. has legally changed their name and in this particular case, after a gendering, you know, after you have transitioned into another gender, um, and you don't use your old name anymore. If somebody calls somebody their old name, which is considered "quote unquote" dead, that is called dead naming. So this is calling Bruce Jenner Bruce Jenner instead of Caitlyn Jenner, or calling Caitlyn Jenner Bruce Jenner instead of Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah. See, I just dead named Bruce Jenner. Way to go! I mean, Caitlyn Jenner. I did it again. <laughs> you better watch out. It's uh, he's a public figure. He if can, this show goes down do before that. we go up. I'm going to be pissed, Colin. Right. <laughs> Going to pull us off Twitter. Yeah. Um, so we also talked about people from other countries owning stock in Twitter. Yes. Right? Because there is a Saudi prince, he said, that owns like 6% of Twitter is like what he said. And I don't yeah, Jack Dorsey didn't, of yeah, Jack Dorsey didn't debate that. So around yeah. 6%, you know. And they said very clearly, like, just because we're a publicly traded company. So anyone can own stock in Twitter, yep. you know. But that doesn't mean that you have sway over what we're doing in our company. And Tim Pool says, and I'm just supposed to believe that. I'm just supposed to believe, you know, that you have someone who bought into your company and now that they don't have any say there. And I don't... Well, let me just phrase it this way. A corporation, a publicly traded company, has a legal fiduciary responsibility to make money for its shareholders. Yes. That is legally possible, which means that somebody that owns 6% of a company through market shares can have sway over which way that board dictates how the company is run. But that does not mean that they are going to have any dictation over the ideology that he is saying is being expressed through that company in no way but i just wanted to clarify that when he says that he's not technically wrong that that is a possibility certainly they have some say in the operations of the company because they are a shareholder but he is talking about the ideology they're expressing and that they are going to have so he's going to have some play in what twitter does to manipulate society and And i I think that looking at a saudi prince who is involved at that kind of financial level and how the how Twitter's actually run and operated, you cannot logically make that argument between those two parties because I, I highly doubt a Saudi prince is going to be that left-leaning in their ideology as, right. as much as he's trying to paint them as being a left-leaning ideology company. So that argument doesn't make any sense to me no. whatsoever. No. And so that's, he kept talking about like Twitter because they're publicly traded and then they have foreign investments and then, you know, they have that they have too much control over that. Then those foreign agents have partial control over, you know, political discourse because Twitter has this monopoly over political discourse. And I just, I don't political that's discourse. That's a fucking stretch, dude. Yeah. Like that's way political too far discourse to be. doesn't make a company like Twitter money. No, it doesn't. It's it's ad revenue, which is generally speaking, not it doesn't do the greatest on political commentary and people that talk about politics and the you know the culture war. Ad you know most companies that are advertising through Facebook or Twitter or anything they don't want to be associated with any of that crap because no. it is you know some companies embrace some of it but for the most part ain't no company want to be involved with that they just want to make money. And so to assume 
that their control over it would dictate how the ideology is playing out in real world just doesn't make any sense to me logically no and because i don't none of the none of what twitter is doing that tim pool is getting so upset about is any good to a a high rolling investor that wants to make money for it especially in the world of super PACs right we live in a world where our country our political elections are run by super PACs and super you PAC. are making the claim that Twitter has too much sway over the election. You're fucking kidding me, right? Not, not these companies that are dumping billions of dollars into super PACs over elections, but, but mm-hmm. Twitter, who's hosting people who are allowed to say what they want for the most part. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the thing that frustrated me, I think one of the things that frustrated me the most is, like I said, Vidya would break down the reasons at the time, the tweets that they had that like, well, this is what we interpreted at the time and the reasons we used for doing that. And then instead of debating those actual reasons, would just talk about the overreaching implications of what they did, you know? And they were sitting there talking, willing to admit, we have made mistakes. Twitter Mm -hmm. has made mistakes and we're going to continue to make mistakes because like I said, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. No one knows what the fuck they're doing. And for anybody to claim that they should is is ridiculous. Yeah. It's ludicrous. You know what I'm saying? So, did you happen to catch his follow-up on the Ruben report? Yes. Okay. He's a fucking dick, dude. He's it, like just Vijaya. It it was frustrating. It was super frustrating to listen to him be on the Ruben report and just say shit that wasn't true, you know? I just I didn't agree with and I would have to go back and listen to it and like find things that, mm-hmm. I, you know, but I remember listening to it and not being happy with the way that he portrayed that conversation. Yeah, and but I mean, when I watched it, I could tell that there was some moments that he said, you know, he was sloppy on, and he recognized the because uh, the whole way this whole thing transpired to get him on the JRE. I mean, this was kind of out of left field to him. He right. knows, you know, he knows Joe Rogan because he's been on his podcast before, and he's so plugged into this culture war that after the fallout from the original Jack Dorsey conversation. Rogan had with him. He got a lot of hate for that because he didn't feel like he pushed him on anything. Right. Which he didn't think he wanted to do. He just wanted to talk to Jack of Twitter. And uh, so he called the guy that he knows is tapped into that social media world in the internet, who is Tim Pool, and said, Hey, you want to come on and you're a good representative you know, you're a good representative for the people being silenced and that that crowd of people that are angry about it. Right. And you could talk to these people. They're going to have somebody there from some Twitter legal and take care of all this stuff. You're going to get some answers. And I just think he was he was a fish out of water to a point. I think he was in over his head and you know, for what he was trying to do, giving him the benefit of the doubt, he tried. I don't think he did a very good job of it. No. And I think he partially recognizes that. I do not think he was the right guy for the job. No, and I don't know who would be, unfortunately, because a lot of those the people that are so up in arms about it, even Ruben himself, they they don't know how to have that type of high level legal argument, I don't think. Especially because and when we were watching it, I, I love my wife because we were watching it last night. Um Again, just to like give myself a refresher, and Jordan was like, was listening to Vidra and she said, She's great at her job. Oh, yeah. She, and she's fuck, she is. She's amazing at her she job. She knows what she's she is doing. Fantastic at what she is doing. And she knows how to continue to not pair talking points because she was very genuine with what she was talking about, but how to continue 
to cement what their rules are, but not make it sound like she's being a fucking broken record, you know, by daring enough and just telling her, listen, we're doing our best. You know, like we are trying here. We are actively trying to do these things. We're trying different things. And And, and she openly said it more than a few times. It was like, you know, thank you for that. This is, we need this kind of input too to bring to the table and know what to do because we need these concerns just as much as we need the other concerns. And so I think she did a fantastic job. Jack, at one point, got a little animated, yeah. which was interesting because he's kind of, you know, Ben Shapiro always talks about the the Cuomo brother that's on CNN as being a block of wood. Yes. Um, Jack Dorsey's a very unemotional human being in these and interviews. When, when did you very think he robotic. got animated? When he was talking to Tim Pool, one on one, a couple times, um, talking about some of Jack's uh, personal tweets. Yeah, that he said, and even you know, he caught Jack in a little bit of a tight spot, which is something that he had he had actually like apologized for saying or doing at one point, and had something to do with a trip when he was over in India or something like that. But I, I think that Tim's arguments are they're semi valid because, yes. but it's it's because the public perception of what's going on certainly paints a very strange picture with a lot of red flags but i don't know how much of that is attributed to malice this is one of those hop hopkin raisins oh hop oh man i don't remember the name of that i'm gonna have to look it up again where you never you don't want to attribute it attribute to malice what can be easily described as or prescribed to as idiocy or something like that i'm gonna yeah. pull up the quote and remember it i can't remember <clears throat> but no, I agree. I don't think that, no. like I said, I don't think that this stuff is done intentionally to express an ideology. You know, I think this, razor. <clears throat> it's never a tribute to malice, which is adequately explained by stupidity, essentially. Right. And that's, I think, is, I think that probably is a pretty apt way to explain this, you know, that as, that, it, it is, it's almost stupidity. You know, when it comes to the internet and these companies, Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, that have created something that no one has ever heard of or seen before because no one even knew what the fuck the internet was. You know, they've created something and they are just fumbling around in the dark trying to see the right way to handle this to help people, you know. And they said openly that part of the reason they added that language about about trans people in particular, right, was because of the suicide rates among the trans community in, like, youth and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And they felt because there's so much youth on Twitter and there's so much bullying that they felt like they took part in that. And that's why they did that, you know? And I think that that's reasonable. Like, I think that that's pretty legit. I don't think that they sat down and they were like, well, let's let's just say we did it because of suicide rates and we can use that as a cover-up. You know, I don't I don't think that's the case. And maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe I'm ignorant to, to mm-hmm. the truth. But I, I generally trust my gut on my feelings on people, you know, and I know I never met Jack Dorsey. I just watched a video of him, but I truly, I don't think that he is doing this because he is trying to bend the country in a left leaning direction. No, I don't think so. I mean, he is who he is and his platform is what it is, but he personally has, I don't know how much sway he personally has at that company. It's no, because at that point, you know, once you go public like that, the board, they have a board of directors. They have a board of directors that run everything. That's the way these things work. And it's not his, he's not sitting there running the company. You know, like we envision Mark Zuckerberg and stuff doing that. They don't do that stuff. You know, 
Jeff Bezos, on the other hand, he has a lot of sway in what goes on in all of his companies. And even though they are a corporate structure and, you know, he's on the board and he's, I believe, the president and chairman of the board, probably. I would like to fact check that. But uh, it's not the way like a lot of these tech companies work, which when you think about the nature of a tech company and reaching billions of people and having to wade through all this crap, it is physically impossible to be able to operate those those kinds of things directly at scale yeah you just can't do it there's too much the internet's a big place man especially twitter worldwide like that and you think about all the you know joe rogan brings this up a lot when he talks about the age of social media because there's a lot of it's a very toxic space at times most of the time the you can find a very giant toxic swamp to wait around in. the internet you mean yeah. yeah, and especially or, social media yeah, yeah. in particular. Oh, absolutely. Fuck social media. But the the good that it has also done, especially for people in war-torn areas of the world. Yeah. And, you know, there's been a, a lot of amazing things that social media has shown that it's capable of. Yeah. and Which is amazing. And it's a, it's a double-edged sword. I don't know. I think that even as little as five years from now, social media will be unrecognizable from what it is today. Well, even Mark Zuckerberg, I heard they're trying to turn Facebook into more of like a private messaging type of platform than a public messaging platform. You know, Mm -hmm. that they want it to be more about like one-on-one interactions and maybe group, you know, messages and shit where you got like 10 people in that type of thing than having a timeline of shit, you know? And I think that's probably better than I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't even want to say that. That I think it's probably better. But I think that it's interesting. I think it's worth exploring because I think that Facebook is fucking toxic. You know, Dude. I think that Facebook overall Garpaccio. is toxic. Although I, I did am, have a good conversation with somebody on Facebook this week. That was fun. Somebody you had posted that oh, uh, article. That's Jordan's and, cousin Bobby. Oh yeah, Bobby. Bobby. Yeah, he he put up one of those Yang twenty twenty uh, yeah. g- gifs. I'm. I decided I'm sticking with GIF. It is. Cause, yeah. Yeah. Because GIF, GIF. 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 We know is peanut butter. Is peanut butter. Yeah. And it's spelled it's with a G. GIF. It's a GIF. I've always get over it, people. I There's no argument anymore. Yeah, I think it's GIF. That's where I've always been at with it. Um, and we can move on to that. We can move on to to some Democratic candidates if you Let's like. Let's do it. Um, That's about as smooth a segue as yeah, I can muster. That, that was good. Um, so, because I don't remember. Oh, fucking President Trump, because he's been. I read an article about all the money that he's given to himself from the government yes. since he's been president. One point like, three million already. Something like that. that. Yeah, article. just from staying at all of the all of his own resorts and shit like that. He's just paying himself to stay there through the government because he also didn't put all of his shit in a blind trust before he came into um, the the presidency. Um, but yeah, that, how is that not a thing? You know. I remember this discussion when he went there, and I think he just put someone else in charge of the company. You yeah, know, like, like, the, like the Kush. He's just like, oh, no, I'm not going to have any. It's Donald Trump Jr. who is in, who's in, and Eric who are in, in charge of the company right now. But he um, still has his assets tied. He yep. still makes money off it. Yep. He's still, but he's not going to something of, you know, he vowed to fucking whatever you know i'm gonna put all that money in another account and i'm not gonna touch it until oath breaker yeah i'm just gonna i'm gonna separate myself entirely so i fucking suck a dick fuck off um god i hate so well i do love the fact that we 
anybody on any side of the political divide can shit on President Trump as much as they want. Yeah. Because there's so much shit to do. He sucks. It, yeah, he um, sucks. He so, generally just sucks at life. So I shared this article and said something about like fucking drain and swamp, right? And so yeah. Bobby, who Bobby's a really cool guy. He's also a huge uh, Eagles fan. Shout out, Bobby. Um, he said he posted that gif. It's a Yang 2020 gif, right? And I didn't know dick about Andrew Yang um, because I'm like, who gives a fuck, right? And that's how I felt largely until this week. And so Andrew Yang was actually on Joe Rogan. That's where I heard um, him. In February, yeah. yeah. And so I listened to that Joe Rogan this week. And I thought he was interesting, you know. He's um, interesting. He's interesting. He's he's young, which I think is is good and bad. Um, he seems to have his own ideas, which is he, nice. Word. So he talked about the freedom dividend, right? Yes. And this is something I want to talk about more because – um, I think that the idea of universal basic income is like really cool, but I've obviously there's huge hangups about it. Um, and so his idea of the freedom dividend is called that because you invest in America with all the hard work and everything you do here and you deserve a dividend. You know, you own part of America because you live here. I'm like, that's fucking smart. That's uh, em- whoever t- owned business. That's smart. Like what you just did marketing that is really smart, right? So. I wasn't sure exactly, um, because I know he has at least a rough plan, but I don't know exactly where his money is going to come from, you know, mm-hmm. like where the UBI is going to come from. Cause he talked about a lot of different taxes that exist around the world. Yeah. And so I don't know, like I said, that he has a specific plan, but I know he has general ideas of how it's going to get done. The idea is it's an opt in program where you can get a thousand dollars a month from the government. Um, and that's the number that's largely used in universal yeah. basic, basic income is a thousand dollars and it just helps people, you know, pay their bills and like do all the whatevers. Or if you already have all the money that you need, then you invest it in something or whatever. But the idea is to take a thousand dollars and reinvest it into the economy and help keep the economy moving. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, and which again, I think is a cool idea. It's about the most patriotic argument for UBI I can think of. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I mean, I think he even made a comparison to what they do up in Alaska with the oil dividend that people get up there. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is something that's been around for a while now, and people don't hate it. It's like a thousand dollars a year, I think, that they yeah, get. In so Alaska. It's free money. Yeah. For partially giving over your, you know, your lands and stuff to a, a, an to oil a private company. company. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a very interesting way to approach it he he comes from a a uh entrepreneurial background was called like freedom international or something like that yeah. like or some something like that yeah and he was an entrepreneur that he went around to other companies and taught like helped them create jobs mm-hmm. like that's what he was doing before he started running for president which i think is rad right um but also one of his other huge platforms is freedom dividend because of automation yes. right and he is largely not afraid but confident that this is where america is going which i think most people probably are that a lot of the jobs that we have now are going to be automated by ai or just robots when we have things that are able to do it at a more effective rate i saw an article the first burger flipping robot yes. started work this week that's I a saw real that. thing that happened i didn't so i haven't done any more research but i did see that that happened um they fired so, it after its first day i believe really because it was too efficient it was too efficient yeah so in other words, I mean, you you start flipping burgers like that unless you have line going out oh, and everything, and it's just yeah, yeah. It's like you know we can't can't have this. It's it's not paced enough with the yeah. Business. I mean, I'm sure you could, but at the end of the day, it's a scary thing to think about because that is you don't need a person there anymore oh ever. My God. 
ever could, ever because so. even if sorry because even if it's super busy this burger or this machine is still gonna slapping out, out patties yeah, yeah at exactly the rate that it needs to be like that's it probably even it probably even accommodates for like the grill cooling down after a certain amount of time. Oh, definitely. You know? It knows how hot that 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 flat top is. Yeah. Oh, I bet it's just plugged right into the flat top. Definitely. Portion. Yeah. Um, so, so Andrew Yang, right, is is very confident that the country is we are going to lose an immense amount of jobs to automation, truck driving jobs, service jobs, grocery baggers, clerks, all the all these things that occupy so many people's jobs. Um, we are see it gonna, playing out. Today. Already. Oh, absolutely. Automated um, kiosks at Walmart, at the grocery at store. At Safeway and shit. Yeah, they're already, Tesla is working on trucks, you know, or Amazon yep. is working on trucks that are self that are self-driving. Yeah. Um, and there, I told you there's a company, I don't remember what it's called, but they're making like pickup trucks that are electric and stuff. And so there's, mm. not that that's a machine or not like that it's a robot, but they're they're leaning more this way that they don't need shit like that. And um I mean, you've seen pictures of the Tesla car factory. Yeah. Ain't many people there. Hella robots. And that's how most car factories are is yeah. for a long time were because until they started putting people back in car factories. But for a long time, it was just straight robots, you know. Um, it's only going to bring the cost of, you know, vehicles like that down. Right. Because if it's more efficient... You could sell it at a cheaper cost. So Andrew Yang's idea to help combat this is the Freedom Dividend, right? It's a thousand dollars a month that you would be receiving from the government, um, which again I think is a, I think is a great idea. Who doesn't want a thousand dollars a month? You know, but it's it's going to cost a, a fuck load of money. Yeah, like, it has to come from somewhere. Dollars, and it has to come from somewhere. Um, and again, I I'm not saying he doesn't have a plan. I don't remember if he expressed specifically what his plan was. I remember mm-hmm. him talking about. Probably seven or eight different tax ideas from around the globe. You yeah. know, um, charging companies who have some of the ideas were like charging companies who use machines to do jobs that could be f- that could be filled by a human. You're charging them a dollar for or whatever. You know, a, a a certain amount of money for every mile that's driven by a, a self-driving truck. You mm-hmm. know, because that instead could be a driver and that could be whatever. And so part of that money comes from those companies, from the trucks and from the robots that are working at that time. I remember is one of the tax ideas that yeah. I thought of. But other ones, like I said, were ideas already from around the globe. Yeah, there's um, a lot of because a lot of different countries have a lot of different little taxes that they yeah. use to fund certain things. And you know, I I heard about a a tax program that I found myself actually in favor of recently, which we'll talk about later when I talk about mediator. But I mean, even as somebody that generally believes that if the money isn't being utilized correctly, taxation is theft. You know, if I do not approve of how my tax dollars are being spent, then I feel like I shouldn't have to pay a lot of that money. Right. That's a very libertarian outlook on taxes, but there's are a lot of taxes I can get behind. Yeah. You know, stuff like, Education, police, fire, parks, parks. I like parks, national forests, and you know, space park service, space force. <laughs> Not so much space force. NASA, NASA is sweet. I'll pay a NASA tax, but at the end of the day, NASA, I think, is out of NASA is a shadow government. Don't you know that? Oh, yeah, NASA runs the world. I didn't know if you knew this. They're taking copious amounts of psychedelic drugs, and that's how they're communicating with the <laughs> aliens to get the technology that got us to the moon. <laughs> That's how they're doing it. Was that from Alex Jones? Yes. I thought so. <laughs> Alex Jones had a, re- a triumphant return on the Joe Rogan experience lately. I have always it's been... Magical. Um, just to get back to your text thing, I've always liked the idea 
of, and I'm sure it's not as simple as, as my stupid mind thinks it is, um, like the idea of opting into the taxes that you pay, you know, choosing what you pay taxes to. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with, I don't know, you not, I, I don't know how much of, I didn't, none, um, but I, like, I don't, I, sorry, I, I thought there was something in my head before I even yeah. needed it. So, like, I don't, think there's a lot of people who would choose to take part of their check and like pay it towards Planned Parenthood you know or like something like that because there's some like some of those places do receive federal money but it can't go towards abortion it just goes towards other things but like there are some people who don't want to pay towards that at all because they are wildly misunderstanding of what Planned Parenthood actually is so they don't want them to receive any of their money you know? they want an and, ideological exemption exactly you know and so I, I can see why things like that would happen but at the end of the day if you choose not to Pay the fucking fire tax, you know, you're fucked because Sorry. you didn't want to do that because you thought firemen are pieces of shit and now you lost your whole house, you know. And I understand that that's how it was when America, like, first began. You had to pay bills and shit. And if you hadn't paid your bill, then, like, they would watch your house burn. Sorry. But I, I am also kind of like, well, fuck them. Like, that's, you know, <laughs> like, if you don't, if you're going to be a dick, like, you don't, and I think it should obviously be proportionate to the amount of money that you make, you know? Like, you don't need everyone paying mm-hmm. the standard $20 because if you're only making $50 a week, then you're not making any money. And you're like, well, do I want my house to burn down or do I want to, like, eat tomorrow, you know? Yeah. So I think it should be proportionate to how much you make. And these are just ideas. I'm not I'm not, I'm not running for weird, president. This is it's just a weird a, thing because the, there's a reason, like, certain taxes are mandatory. Yeah. Because... I think, generally speaking, most people are incompetent. There's some shit that you need. Yeah, and, you know, if you don't think about paying for it, ever, which most people don't think about paying for, you know, the fire department or the, you know, the police force or anything like like that, the roads that you drive on 90% of the time, most things are owned by, like, a county, a state, or a federal government, and it's their job to maintain it. Now, we can argue all day whether or not they're doing their fucking job to maintain it, (laughs) but... At the end of the day, you know, how many private roads have you driven on that are just there? They were paved one time like 30 years ago, and now they're just a disaster zone. I mean, that's because nobody wants to put up the money and pay for it. Yeah. You know, I have firsthand experience with that at a industrial complex that's has a privately owned road in it. And you have a gang of businesses around that seem to not be able to cough up $500 a piece to fix the fucking road. So I also am a little bit, little bit in the belief that it would cause those companies, those counties, those cities, those whatever to, to like give people a little more bang for their buck if they want the money. You know, like if you want me to keep you pressure on them, if you want me to keep giving you tax money, you got to fix the fucking road, or else I'm not going to keep doing this shit. You know, or else I like that idea, or else I'll pay someone else to do it. I'll get together with ten of my fucking the ten other businesses around me, and instead of paying the county, I'll just pay a fucking paver to do it instead you know fuck you finding a bid for someone to do it i'll just do it myself you know yeah i think there's merit in that yeah except the county's gonna permit you out the ass and get their money somehow yeah yeah i got yeah that's a whole nother subject so it is but on that's the a, whole, it's all ideas i know i'm sure right. that's stupid as fuck but um, i like the idea but it, i think it has merit and you can extrapolate out from there it's a solid discussion. with time um, you know especially with ubi i have a lot of fun Trying to figure out how I can make it work and squared away with my semi-libertarian ideology, which is tough. But I think there's ways people could do it if we had smart people in the room. So one thing I did like about Andrew Yang um, is 
when he was talking about social issues, right, he was very willing to be like, dude, racism is racism. You know, like, it's it's unacceptable when, yeah. like, white people are, are, like, it's okay to talk shit about them because they're white, but, like, you can't say anything about me because I'm Asian. He's like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, that's fucking weird, you know? And I so I really appreciate that. I yeah. really, really appreciate that. But there's at least one person in the Democratic Party who's like, y'all are fucked up. Like, that's stupid. You know, you need to not be doing that. I didn't like, and this is really hypocritical, but he said like a lot. You know, a lot. And I know I do that. I'm not running for president like that. I I host a podcast like so that's that's totally different. You have to appeal to people who are fucking old and those people don't like that shit. No, it bothers people. My mom used to count. My cousin Gabriel says like all the time. And my mom used to count on her hand in front of Gabriel how many times she was saying like in a sentence just to fucking irritate her, you know, and that's some people need that, though, man. Some people. I've never noticed it being that bad of a problem with you. I only notice when I'm listening. I, I have a, I don't remember, you, we're talking about Joe Rogan a lot here, but um, there was an episode way back where he got, and I don't remember the guy's name, but he was a former hardcore lefty, you know, pretty lefty still, but like he had been attacked by his own and mm-hmm. was forced to go against them. And, but he was on the show and he was like this, like, and like, 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 and like, like, and Joe had stopped me like, dude, this whole like thing. You gotta stop. Yeah, you just gotta bad. stop. It's driving me insane, and so just know you haven't gotten to that, level, that level at least. Thank God. I do know people that do that in real life, and it drives me up a fucking wall. And it didn't irritate me that he was doing it, but it was something I noticed and knew that that was something he would have to curb before he was on like a main stage platform. You yeah. know, um, I think right now he's pulling at about one percent. One percent. He's there with like Gillibrand and stuff like that. Yeah. So which I think is up there in no small part due to his appearance on Joe Rogan. Yeah. No, that, I think that that has at least something to do with it. It does. Um, his his numbers jumped massively after that he said something i think on twitter about that afterwards because I, I i totally ignored him and then once i listened to him on on joe rogan I'm like, well, that's He's not bad yeah I'm, that's not bad i'm gonna at least keep where else is to... he gonna reach your ears um yeah i yeah. mean if he's able to somehow get on other political podcasts but because he's only that one percent and he's mm-hmm. not a senator or anything he's gonna have a hard time you know and um, npr uh, needs which is kind of prompting this whole thing because NPR has done like an extra event, an extra special episode series great. where they're they're interviewing a lot of these. That is all things candidates. considered, all things um, considered. Yeah, and that is Steve Inskeep and Rachel yeah. Rachel something. Yeah, the same people that do Up First yep. in the morning. Yep, really good, really good podcast. Very, I mean, they have an ideology. But and all it's things very considered, easy to is see. A, is a radio show um, that they're doing. So that's like broadcast. That's the standard NPR radio show. Yes, I hear yes. them every now and again when it's, I'm. That's a great show because all, yeah. all things considered doesn't just do politics. I mean, it's as as the a lot of says. Things. Yeah, they do things from all over the spectrum: sports, social issues, and anything that comes up. You know. Yeah. That's. I used to listen to them all the time with my grandma in the car. We're such old people, man. I love NPR. I know it's a problem. It's, NPR here is not always the best, um, but it's pretty good. You know. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm just glad it's not as bad as like I always envisioned it being yeah. when I was growing up. It's like, oh, yeah. gosh. No, it's not so bad. Now I'm one of those people. Especially when you're listening to things like All Things Considered and not 
KZOK, you yeah. know, like, or uh, KUOW. That's KUOW. Okay. Because um, when you're listening to KUOW, that is the Seattle arm of NPR. And, and so, you're getting 110% pure Seattle. Yeah, so sometimes that can be super duper lefty. When you're listening to the NPR shows, it's not quite so bad because no. that's more nationwide. National. Yeah. So that's a little, so all things considered is generally a little better. Yeah. It's a little more moderate. You know, it's not. I dig on it pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like NPR. Um, it's, it's especially up for. So that's a great podcast for just Shoot, every like day. 10, 15 minutes, really short, lots of information. Like it's yeah. really good. That's um, my rudder. It it steers me which direction I'm going to go that day. Yeah. Depending on which story what is most cover. interesting. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I'm going to follow that one down. Get some more deets on that. So, yeah. so Andrew Yang is one. He's up, he's up there. Uh, Kirsten Gillibrand is not really doing anything fantastic. She's being about as mediocre and neutral as she possibly can be. Yes. Still, um, she's she's not going to go anywhere. I'll um, just say that one hundred percent. She is not going anywhere in my mind. We can talk about Kirsten Gillibrand. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't even because I, I haven't she's looked not even much. Worth discussing. I haven't looked much into her yet because um, I kind of I'm trying to do them slowly so I can learn kind of a lot about them, you know, and bring some information to the table. Um, hmm. We can talk about Elizabeth Warren a little bit if you'd like. Yes, um, I always love to talk about Elizabeth Warren. She. So there's a couple of things that I have written down that are just kind of large topics on the Democratic table right now for okay. all those people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Elizabeth Warren is talking a lot about reparations, yes, right? among several other things, but that's the one that I decided we're going to start Including with. now the possibility of Native Americans. <laughs> yes, um, and so the one thing that I was listening, I was listening to Ben Shapiro the other day, and he started to talk about it a little bit, and then talk shit. And so I just, I just started to think about it, like following the the path, right? Let's think about it logically. If reparation, if you're if you're going to do it, if it's going to be done, right? Okay. How are you going to decide how that's done, right? First, so f- let's start here. How are you going to decide who pays that money? Right. Because you're white and I'm white most of the way. But if you look at my actual, my actual lineage, right? I have one grandpa who is from Kentucky. My grandma, Beth, who was from Canada. I am almost certain that my grandma's or that my dad's mom was from Mexico when she was little and that his dad was from Ireland, if not a second generation American citizen. Mm -hmm. So one quarter of the heritage I have actually may have owned slaves at one point because I don't know how long my grandpa's family was in Kentucky. So am I going to have to pay, you know, if if the amount is $100 per person, do I pay $20, $25 because only one quarter of my heritage has that? You know what I'm saying? Because, Mm -hmm. because not that I'm okay with paying money anyway, but I'll be damned if I'm going to pay the same amount as somebody who's from fucking Kentucky, if that's what we're doing. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to pay all that because I only a quarter of my heritage may have owned slaves at one point. See, I'm super screwed then because my DNA report puts my bloodline at the founding of some of the original colonies in America. Really? Including the New York what became the New York colony when it was New Amsterdam and Massachusetts and Rhode Island. Word. So I'm El Fuckoed if that's the case. Because all your money. You don't have any money anymore because no. it's all. And so then, so past the people who pay, right? How do you decide who, who gets, gets that, right? Is it the people who can directly draw their lineage to people who were slaves? 
Is there like is that the only people who get reparations? Because you're talking about minorities and all. Because I'm also Mexican. I'm also quarter Mexican. You know, I also grew up, um, like not in poverty, but certainly below the standard like level. Like you know what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. in in low income, that's what the fuck I'm looking for. So I grew up in low income. So do I get some type of reparations because I'm Mexican and I grew up in low income? And is that is that does it balance it out? Is that by your argument somehow related to my ethnicity, even though my mom is white? Like, is that, are those two things somehow correlated, you yeah. know? So, you know, and I hate to say this, but I think the argument to be had for reparations is basically non-existent. It's been so long. There's nobody here now that was directly affected by actual slavery. Civil rights movement, totally different story. Right. There's a lot to be said about that. And if you want to have a conversation about that, that's one thing. But what – you know what I really think this is? Because I think any real conversation about this is at you know by nature disingenuous. Yes. Because this is, in my mind, in my view, this, this conversation about reparations is nothing but playing into an aspect of the culture war for popularity. There is no conceivable way that reparations in 2019, 2020 is something we can even think about looking at. It is so anti-American at this point that you can't do anything about it without fundamentally changing how America runs as a as a country and that's like that is if you want to talk about socialism that's old school fucking real socialism where they're like oh no 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 you guys are part of a higher class that's taken away from this lower class so we're going to take your money and give it to them because they deserve it because you are still benefiting Mm -hmm. from what is still keeping them down you know that's that's what we talked a couple weeks ago about about how modern day fucking socialism is not socialism anymore, right? Because they're talking about free school and you know where everyone gets paid the same and we're doing all this shit. That's not socialism, dog. That's that's not the shit you need to be afraid of. This is the shit you need to be afraid of. Yes. You have motherfuckers talking about taking money from you because you're they're saying you're still benefiting from something that happened fucking hundreds of years ago. And that what's what's keeping you up is keeping them down. You know what I'm saying? And they want to take your money because of that. You're fucking kidding me, right? Because do you know what that is? Taking from the elite to give to the proletariat. Sounds like communism to me. What the fuck, my G? That, and I think history has taught us that. that Proletariat? Boom. Good nomenclature. like that? Look that shit up. When you look at the communist revolutions that have taken place over the years, particularly in... Was it Cambodia with the Khmer Rouge? Yeah. And the, it was, if you Khmer wore glasses, Rouge. you were considered an intellectual and therefore, best case scenario, you were jailed for your whole life and everything was stripped from you. Most of the time, you just ended up with a bullet in your head. Done. And then, you know, it would go to the, the poor farmer and stuff like this. That's, that's how most of these things work themselves out historically. And I, like I said, I don't see, this kind of talk doesn't concern me because I don't, I just don't see it ever actually taking place. To it. Yeah, I, I, I really don't. It's, it's something that's going to win her popularity because now we have gone to a purely popula- populist presidential race all the time now, apparently. Right. And hopefully that dies off after the next one. But 
Depends on who gets in office after this. And I don't mean this is what people like you and I should be fearing, right? I mean this is what people who claim that Bernie Sanders and AOC are like hardcore socialists, like those people, this is what they should be afraid of is talk yes. like this, right? Because this is the shit that's hardcore socialism. So we've talked about before. For as big of a game as AOC and Bernie Sanders talking, Bernie Sanders getting in office. Not half the shit he's talking about is getting done. No. Because it's not going to happen. It's, it, it's not going to work that. out. And he knows that, you know? But he knows that these are great aspirations to have and it would be awesome if everyone could have all the shit that they wanted. And it's it's called that way because it's for everybody, you know? That's mm-hmm. the why he... That's the way that... That is why he explains it the way that he does as democratic socialism because it's a socialistic idea where everybody is getting the same shit, right? And it does take from the people who make billions of dollars to provide that. And that's the way that it's those things. But it is not old school hardcore socialism in the way that they are just separating people like this into different classes and... Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like yeah. this is the shit that, that should make you nervous. Not fucking Bernie Sanders. Not fucking AOC in her her non-binding resolution, the Green New Deal. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Because if because if if you're talking about how the bitch the bigotry resolution wasn't enough, then shut the fuck up about the Green New Deal because it's the same goddamn thing. You same know? thing. It's so literally the same thing. So with a bunch of greedy stuff. Like that's the shit that you should be worried about. Mm-hmm. You know, she's also talking about. Um, what the fuck was the other thing that she was talking about, man? I think I know what you're going to say. And I was going to say I wanted to make sure we hit that before we got off of yeah. Warren. Was the ab- abolition yes. of the Electoral College. Yes. Because yes. this is something this is that comes up a lot yes. over the years. And it it generally comes up from the whatever political party is not in power at the time. And... I've heard it argued from the conservative side, and I've heard it argued from the more liberal, progressive side. Neither of which I'm comfortable with. Yeah. And I don't know... A th- I, I am not totally versed well enough in the Electoral College and what it's completely all about to give my full-blown support either way. Because it's still... From what... I believe I know about the Electoral College. It's kind of an equalizer when it comes to democratic voting. Yeah. Because it allows more rural places with less people to actually have a a bigger vote. It's kind of like a handicap in like a sports game. It allows that their voices to be heard just as loudly as anyone else. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of it has to do with like the caucuses, the major caucuses states. Um, but I mean, if it was, if we abolish the electoral college altogether, regardless of what it actually does, what you're left with is 100% popular vote. Popular vote, which the new campaign stops are population centers, Seattle, LA, San Francisco, any big city in any state with the biggest amount of Dallas, people. New York. Yeah. Like those kind of things will be the only places people go now. Middle of the country will be lost forever to politicians. Yeah. I mean, you think you don't see your politicians cities, now. Yeah. You definitely won't see them if it's only for a popular vote. Like the uh, the great Iowa caucus. That's always a, a game changer. Pennsylvania. In so, these certain states that people aren't going to go to if if we're 100% purely popular vote. So I listened to a fantastic episode on the way here of the Libertarian Podcast that came out last night, I think, oh. that is entitled Defending the Electoral College. 
or in defense of the electoral college. So lay it on me, baby. What do you got? Okay. So being the traditionalist American that I am, right? Because you, you know me, right? Yeah. Old school government motherfucker. Um, I am very much against the abolition of the electoral college, right? What I think is, man, and this shit frustrates me because broadly, I think this is the idea of this is un-American. Mm-hmm. Right. The idea of the abolition of the electoral college is un-American in the way that you are giving up. That we have a system here that has existed for an amazingly long time and has done things that no other country has ever done. And you want to change that because you, it's not working in your favor. That's un-American. Fix it. You have a problem, fucking fix it. Work and fix it. You know what I'm saying? So I don't think that the problem is the electoral college because the electoral college is 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 a, a near perfect entity in my mind, right? It, okay. it it is ruined by y'all motherfuckers not wanting to get out and vote, right? Because your delegates are elected at the caucuses that you choose not to go to. They are done by the votes that you choose not to send in. You choose who your delegates are, right? The other problem I see with the electoral college, super delegates. Yes. Right? Huge problem I see with Huge with the electoral problem. college because a delegate is elected by the people who is telling you when then when they are looking for your vote. This is who I am going to vote for. This is who I want to be the president. That's who I'm going for. If you put me in as your delegate, that's who my vote is going for. Right? You choose that. If you don't vote for your delegate, that's your own fucking fault because that's something that is directly decided by your vote. Right? So you choose your delegate. A super delegate, however, and a lot of people don't know this, which doesn't surprise me because I had to look it up like two years ago, right? A super delegate is somebody who exists in that state that can choose to do whatever they want with their electoral vote. They, it's, they are not bound by any votes, any constituents, anything. They can choose to do whatever they want, right? Two weeks ago when I was at work, I watched the latest Michael Moore film. Okay. Right? Michael, My, Michael Moore. Michael Moore. Yeah. yeah. So, in this film, it's called Fahrenheit 11-9, because 11-9 mm-hmm. is the day that Donald Trump was elected into office, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. Um, so, one of the things they talk about in this film, largely leftist propaganda, especially this film over all the other ones. But I think you should watch really? it, because part of it was actually really interesting. And it's on Amazon. I, mean, uh, I listened to Pod Save America. It's, it's on So, it's no worse than that. It's totally worth watching, because part of it's absolutely legit. Part of it that's legit is they were talking about Bernie Sanders in Michigan, right? In the 2016 election, Bernie Sanders won all 55 counties in Michigan. Wow. And received half of the electoral votes, half of the delegate votes at the convention. And when he was there, he conceded and chose and said, I want all of the votes to go to Hillary Clinton. Because at that point, he didn't stand a chance anyway. He's fighting for the party at that point. You not only do you have people who are not voting, right? You are allowing people to get into office and who are involved in the Democratic Party who are dishonest and misrepresenting you, right? There is one person and they had amazing footage of it. There's one person who has an, an, an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper that on it so that says Bernie won all 55 counties. And you can see it like right above. Bernie Sanders' shoulder and the woman who's announcing where the votes are going to go. It's right above their shoulder. It's right fucking there, right? Bernie Sanders won all 55 counties in Michigan and and got half half of the electoral votes, right? There's an obvious problem with the system, right? But it's not the system itself. It is the way that the people are implementing it and the people you allow to get into the system. You choose your delegates the same way you choose your representatives, 
You are doing this. If you have pieces of shit in your office, it is because you allowed them to get there. You allowed them to stay there, right? I'm not saying people can't misrepresent who they are. Once you've been in office for 10 years. Very popular. Once you've been in office for 10 years and you have a voting record for 10 years, you have legislation for 10 years. I think we have a little bit of an idea of who you are, where you're taking money from, and exactly what's going on. Right mm-hmm. At that point, if you choose to let that person stay in as your representative, that is on you. If you have delegates who are not putting their vote the way you want them to, that is on you. If, if you're in a county and, you're, and your delegate, the, the one you want, doesn't win, that's fine. That's part of the system. That sucks. You've got more people in that county that that are on the opposite side. you know. But if, if you know that... I don't know if you're allowing the people to run the wrong people to get into office, that's on you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I don't think that the problem is the electoral college. I think the, the problem, super delegates. The problem is the super delegates. I think the problem is a lot of people that are allowed, being allowed to stay in office when they shouldn't be or get into office when they shouldn't yeah. be. Voter apathy problem, is a big thing. Big problem is voter part. turnout. People not voting. Yeah. You know, that's the same reason we we're talking about Alexandria Ocasio Cortez winning. She won by 5,000 votes and it's considered an immense fucking landslide when 25,000 people voted. You know, right? that's not dick for people who are voting. That's, like, that's crazy no one, to think, you know, about. so it's in, in, in New York, right. In fucking Queens or wherever she lives. Like there should mm-hmm. be a fuckload of people who are voting there, but no one, you know, yeah, it's very, very, very small turnout. So I am hugely against even the idea of abolishing, of abolishing the electoral mm-hmm. college. Right. I do see there is a disparity because in the last like 20 years, or like six presidents, like five of them, you know, have not won the popular vote. Yeah. So there's obviously some type of problem here, but I don't think that, again, that's a problem with the system. That's a problem with the people you are allowing to get in there and this superdelegate bullshit. So that is a problem I will yeah. concede in the system is the And I think that that's probably but, the biggest problem is because superdelegates, 99% of the time, are there because they are party loyalists only. And so whatever the DNC says to do or the, or the GOP or... They, I don't think the GOP has super delegates. I think something else. uh, So maybe it's not the same term, but they have something like that. Who are a person who is allowed to choose to do whatever they want with their which is side for the party. Always side for the party, and which is is devastating. Yeah, because that completely undermines the idea of democratic republic representation it is an attempt to circumvent the electoral college we know better we know how to play this game so we got to make sure that hill dog gets in because bernie's not going to win in our minds so we're we have to make sure that that's not going to happen they also talked about on this podcast that i listened to that you should listen to is really good um the libertarian podcast yeah yeah and it just came like i said like yesterday or today um and they were talking about uh, there are several states, I think Colorado and Illinois, maybe um, Maine, I think, that have passed state bills that say that their electoral votes will go to whoever has won the popular vote, regardless of how the constituents in their state have voted. Hmm. Right. And again, that's the same idea. It, it's, and this guy, Richard Epstein, is the doctor that does it. And he said it's, it is in his idea blatantly unconstitutional. Yeah. Right. Seems um, to me like that. That's what it is. Um, and yeah. And so it's, it says that, you know, they will, their electoral votes will go to just whoever is winning the popular vote, you know, which is 
completely counter to the whole idea yeah. of the electoral college. And I don't, I don't like that shit, you know? Yeah. Cause believe it or not, we're not a democracy. No, we are a democratic republic, thing. right? And this, so, so the idea of a democratic republic as opposed to a democracy, because a democracy, and this is something, for some reason, so many people who live here don't understand this. Yeah. A, a democracy is exactly what we're talking about, where the popular vote would decide who runs or who, who wins, right? Yeah. That's like, that's what a democracy is, is where one person, one vote, that's it, it's done. Democratic Republic is where you have representatives who take those votes and then dictate them and the votes from the representatives filter up and that is mm-hmm. how things get decided. Um, and this I think it's because it's a simpler system. In this day and age, we have no separation between the federal government and any other government whatsoever. Right. Like the idea of statehood and state representation you just want your representatives to be a mouthpiece on the national stage. And yeah. all the change that's being dictated is on the national level this day. Right. And so you don't need a representative democracy. Then you just need a pure democracy because it's whoever's shouting the largest, wherever the most people are, that they win. That's They get to overrule everybody because they have more people, right. which is not – it's un-American. Yeah. It's un-American to – and it's – it's so easy to to misunderstand, I mean, to misrepresent America as a democracy and not a democratic republic. But if you go, if you abolish the electoral college, you are effectively getting rid of America as we know it and completely changing the whole thing. We're all just one big, might as well all just be one state now. And every state just becomes like a, a different version of a county and then they're yeah. on down. It's like, Why? You think that's going to be better? No. That's well, insane. And, and the way that they were talking about this podcast, and which made a lot of sense to me, is it's easier, specifically, if nothing else, for counting purposes, right? Because yeah. if you had just strictly a popular vote that's just done by the whole country, because at that point, states don't matter. You know, it's just people. Yeah. You imagine if you had a margin of error of 1%. Sure. Oh. That's an immense amount of fucking votes, 1% of the votes in the country. I don't know. What is there, 30 million people here? Something like that? I don't like, that's a fucking huge amount of votes. Hey, what are you going like, to do? Like, they have so, a hard enough time in voting districts and then, to narrow it down to the place that it took place and finding where the, the tight vote is. And, and if there's a problem and then you have to recount that, you know, you have to recount all the votes. All of the votes you have to recount because you don't because nothing's separate yeah. anymore. It's just a popular vote. Like, we won't we won't have a president in term till he's halfway into his term. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's not gonna. It's, it's it doesn't. It's not effective for yeah. how for the way this country is separated and and represented. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. You know. But to tie it all up in in Elizabeth Warren's case, much like reparations, Fuck it's you. just a it's a populist talking point that's going to win her votes. Yes. So now we can move on to a little more of like Cory Booker type of shit. Cory right? Booker. So Cory Booker, I listened Spartacus. to a lot of Cory Booker this week, right? So I found that I warmed up a little bit to Cory Booker. Right? So did I. Because I felt that he has a good view socially on the country, right? At least to the effect that he understands how we got to President Trump Kind of mm-hmm. how we need to get away from this, right? Okay. I really appreciate the focus that he has on bipartisanship and on compromise. And he's like, this is it. And I understand very much that that is how Obama entered office is with compromise and no, 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 I'm not doing that. Like we're, you know, and then at the end he's like, fuck y'all, Obamacare, let's do it, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, I appreciate anybody 
who is at least willing to come out and say that, no, 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 we need to compromise. This is the way that things need to be done, you know? Um, I appreciate that. Whether or not he's going to do that, you know, he's yeah. the only person that's actually talking about compromise I'll, as I'll opposed to just way. ramming through Democratic talking points. I would be very happy to see him break from the track that I have seen him on over the last few years. Yes. Because what he says there and what I've seen him do, Spartacus. Very different. Yeah. Very, very different. Yeah. That it's, it seems completely contradictory to your record. Which is, I would love for you to change that. Which is interesting, right? Because when he was mayor or whatever the fuck he was before. Newark. So apparently his record is like nothing but bipartisan. Like, because the government there was split, he had to do everything with the worth working with the other party. So, everything he I've did as to, mayor. Yeah, he's big on like parks in the city. Huge on parks. Yeah. I've been to his parks. Yeah. I lived just south of, south of Newark. Nice I was parks. in Newark in August. It's a nice park. They have nice ones. It depends yeah. on where you're at in the city. But <laughs> for the most part, Newark is it's a tough town. I just say, you know, uh, yeah, you you need to kind of know what you're doing in Newark. It's not, and that's that's yeah. very much how he made it seem that it's not an easy place to live. You no, know? it's it's definitely not. But it's not a bad. It it's better now than it was when he got there. Is what it yes, sounds like. You it know? is for sure. I will say I witnessed those those days, and he's not wrong there. And, and so I don't know since he's been a, a senator. senator. I don't know if I can trust his senatorial record over his other record or, right. you know, because once, you know, once you get up to that level and you're in the game, it changes people. You know, yeah. you, you have to operate within the rules of the game. And I would love for somebody, maybe him, to be able to strike away from that and get back to some normal shit. But And as, as shitty as this sounds, I think he might have a little bit more of an opportunity because as president more than as senator, you're a little more bound to the people. You know, yeah. um, like I said, as shitty as that sounds, when you're a senator, you're way more focused federally and doing shit on like nationally, you know. But as a yeah. president, you have to think about the country and as people, you know, not just like your party laws and shit. Right. You have to think about also mm -hmm. the constituents of the entire country and the people instead of just a mass. You yeah. know what I'm I mean, saying? It, I know that doesn't make much as sense. As the but. executive you have a lot more room to break from your party with yeah. smaller consequences. And I think so. I think he, he has an opportunity yeah. to get back to more of where he was when he was mayor and when he first got into office. Yeah. And in, in a twisted, sadistical way, Trump has proven that. Yes. Trump has, he got into office spouting some of the things from the Republican Party, but for the most part, he broke... He took a lot of those things to the extreme and broke away from them. Gay marriage and, flag and yeah. Um, and what, but what we've seen is a the party now following him and changing a lot of their views to yeah. to meet and work with him, which is scary. And that but, would so, but it's not impossible for somebody to have a you know a breakaway presidency like that. It's scary in this case, but in the case of, of what we're talking about here. Would be fantastic yes. if a Cory Booker could break into a more moderate place instead yeah. of a more progressive place or more radical place and could get into office and in that turn or in that place in turn steer the Democratic Party in a more moderate wing. It would be better for everybody. Oh right? my because, god! Yeah, because what the what the what the Democrats need to do, and I have this fucking written down somewhere on what the Democrats need to do. Right, is do what's best for their party and for the country and. 
not not lean into the progressiveness. They need yes. to find somebody who's more moderate who can actually defeat Trump so they can put him up, they can win, and then bend that party back. Mm-hmm. Because that's the only way you're winning anybody. You know, the the farther away you lean, you're not winning more masses of people. You're winning more youth who right now think that's the right idea. But yeah, again, once they're fucking earning money and they got a family, they got a kid, they're like, whoa, 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 fuck you. You know? So I don't I can tell you from I can tell you from personal experience. I was 18. When I was 18, I would have been like, let's do it. All the stuff you're talking about now, Bernie Sanders, AOC, let's do it. Let's, let's do, do it do right it. now. And now I'm like, well, maybe you guys should think about 10 years down the road because that's made me a little bit short-sighted. And I'm fucking 24. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> Well, you're an old soul, I, though. You I got under- 10 years And that's now. what I'm saying. I understand that you have youth now. You know, but those youth are going to grow up and they're going to grow up fucking quick, especially in a world where half their check is getting taken from these crazy fucking taxes you're putting in. Try and buy a house then. Try and buy some shit then, dog. You don't like your apartment now. You're going to hate it when you can't afford it anymore. You know what I'm saying? I've, I just like think there's a lot of people. We've kind of talked about this before. You know, there's a lot of people who are older and they're like, I'm a libertarian. I just want to be left alone and blah, blah, blah. Motherfucker, that's because you have money already. You know, you already have money. So you don't people you don't want people to fuck with you. You want to keep earning money because you have a good job. You already have money, you have a house, you have shit. So you want to be left alone. You yep. know? When you when you're twenty four and you're you're in a good enough position that you feel comfortable getting married. You feel comfortable having a kid, but you're like, but I could have more because I have debt because I fucked around, you know? I would love some government assistance. That would be great. Do I need it? No. I don't, I don't need it because I'm, I'm doing okay right now. I'm doing fine. Mm -hmm. You know, what I love a little bit of help because it would help my life be a little bit easier. I would love that. Would not say. I would love that because then I could focus this thing, this freedom dividend, right? I was just going to say, I would 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 love love that, right? Because if if I could work 10 hours less a week, you know, 15 hours less a week, you know, much better our podcast could be if we both had 15 hours more a week to do this. Way better. Our podcast would be way better. And it's fucking great now. You know? It would be way better. You're damn right it is. I would love that. You know? But that's something. But that's not like. That's not work. You know? Or at least like not like work that's paying taxes to the government. Yeah. You know? So it's. it's That's one of those things. I mean. I don't want to bring it back to Yang again. But that's one thing that people. I think always don't think about in. When they talk about UBI and stuff. It's the fact that. What that money does is allow you more freedom and movement within your life. That's part of why it's called that, the freedom dividend. Yeah. For many reasons, the freedom dividend. Boom. But I agree, and that's because I agree that it is widely expressed and portrayed as something to help people who don't want to work, mm-hmm. you know? But the people who mostly the UBI is meant for is people like us. Yeah. Who have something that we're focused on, that we're passionate about, that can better other people's lives, that can that can do, stands to benefit other people, yeah. you know? And Everybody if, should have an Etsy shop. And like I said, you know if, what I mean? <clears throat> Everybody should have something that they like to do that they can cash out on a and Even a little bit. And someone else can spend their freedom dividend on the shit that you made with the time you bought exactly. with yours. You know? Use that's your all I would do. Like, to support yourself trying to get a Twitch channel going on. Right. To try to do something. And so you don't have to slave away at some mindless fucking gig or something that you hate doing. Because how many people out there love their fucking job? Right. Some of them do. And then whatever. You I got like lucky. my job. But, you know, it's... 
it allows people more freedom to pursue what they want to and not have to be held down by the system itself, which you're just so stuck in. Yeah. Because you have to get by. And I can hear it already. You're like, but that, doesn't that saturate the market? Then there's going to be too, too much stuff. And I'll, I don't, you know, there's too many people making content. No. Because the, free, the, because the, the free people market. you like, you give money to. And that's how it works now. You support the people you like, and those people grow, and other people are just doing shit for fun. Yep. And you don't listen to them, you know? And eventually, eventually, if, if we were doing this for 10 years and we only had 10 listeners, I would not want to do it anymore, you know? It is only because of the marginal growth that we see. And yeah. I'm like, all right, let's keep going. You know, I'm like, let's, let's keep doing it. Like, I, I, all right, I'm, I'm on with this. It's rock you and know? roll, baby. So those Make people, sure to tell your friends. The people who suck eventually will stop because no one cares. Yeah. You know, and if they don't, it's just getting launched into the internet, and, it's and then lost it's just forever. for fun. Yep, and that's and, fine. And who cares? Yeah, because they're doing it for them, and it yeah. doesn't matter. You and, know, and those ten people that may be listening still love that, obviously. Yeah, because they still do it, and that's whatever. If you want to choose to do that with your freedom dividend money, go to town. It's your choice. It's I love freedom. The, I love the name. He did it a great. Is. He did a great job fucking marketing that. You, you could tell he's saying? an entrepreneur. Oh, one hundred percent. He's yeah. like, oh, what's that? You want me to sell universal basic income? Got it. Freedom dividend. So like people think Trump's a marketing genius. It. Oh, yeah. Trump don't know shit. Andrew Yang. Yep. That's that's who needs to be running your marketing company is fucking Andrew Yang. Exactly. Yeah. So to bring it back to Cory Booker, you think he's in it for the long haul? At least down to getting down to the main primary. I am not sure, yeah, right? Because so. this is the other issue that I wanted to. He also talked about something called baby bonds, but that's something. Oh for, yeah, for another day because that was really confusing to me. So he, another thing that's big right now is talking about the legislative filibuster, right? Yeah. Um, and I am anybody who is not immediately closed off to the idea loses points to me, right? Mm-hmm. Because it seems like it should be evident to Democrats. More than anybody, the last thing that you want right now is to take away the to take away the legislative filibuster, right? Yeah. Because if you didn't have the legislative filibuster in the first two years of the Trump presidency, where the fuck would you be now? <laughs> you know, where the fuck would you be now? Yeah, you wouldn't be thanking John McCain. You would have been shitting on eleven other people in the in the Republican Party who wouldn't help you. You know, yep. so. That seems crazy to me that anybody would be doing it. It doesn't seem to me the thing we should be talking about is is taking away the legislative filibuster. It seems the thing we should be talking about is reinstating the filibuster for Supreme Court justices and for everything fucking else that we took it away for. You know, whatever the mm-hmm. other thing is. I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head, but like, it seems like that's what we should be talking yeah. about. Is reinstating them, not taking the other one away. Yeah, like I which don't, is essentially giving giving Congress more power again, taking it back. Because what happens by removing the filibuster is you give whatever party is in power usually dictated to or at least led by the executive branch more power. The legislative filibuster, again, right, is to ensure that in all arenas, in in Supreme Court justices, in uh, whatever people going into your cabinet, in uh, – Oh, yeah. I was like, who's in, going in my cabinet? <laughs> in, in legislation – the whole idea that the purpose is to ensure that those people can be approved on a bipartisan basis. That you cannot put anybody in who is obviously or evidently fueled by an ideology. And that's exactly what everyone is claiming now. Oh, the Supreme Court is too partisan. The Supreme Court is too political because we all know who they're going to be. So why would you want to further that? Why would you not want to reinstate 
the filibuster for judges and make sure that you can't cram anyone through anymore. Mm-hmm. You have to have at least 61 votes to get that shit through. 60. Get the shit done. You know what I'm saying? Why? Why would you want to do that? All it does is further divide the country to not reinstate that, you know, and then give you more to bitch about when it's your own fault. I can't make a coded argument against that, nor would I want to. It doesn't. It's it's again, it's see, it's un-American. I want all right the here. checks like, and all the balances. And as all the checks and all the balances. Yeah. And I mean, and you think about it, you lot, you know, because there's going to be people that are going to argue, well, then nothing's just going to get done. Yeah, nothing will get done for a time. Right. And then there will be so much goddamn uproar because something needs to be done about something and they're not able to get over their political bullshit. Yeah. They will feel pressured enough to act one way or the other. But by withdrawing the rule like that, you're just paving the way for whoever's in power to just just bulldoze right through. Who cares about democracy? We're in charge now, bitches. Right. You know, and the monarchical presidential seat that we have now is it scares me because we shouldn't be talking about the fuck president this much no we shouldn't if anybody we should be talking about skeletor and chucky schumer Mm -hmm. and people like mitch mcconnell or formerly you know paul ryan and do you know those are our representatives not the exec the exec is is nominated by whoever's in power right who cares I mean, I yeah, we care. But in the grand scheme of things, our percentage of focus should be more focused on Congress. Period. Did you know that Paul Ryan is on the new board of directors for Fox? God damn it. Really? <laughs> he is. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> I love that. Swear to God. I was wondering what he was going to do when he got out. Fox. Yeah. Well, hey, now he works for Disney. What can I say? So the last um, big issue that I have written down as far as Democratic candidates, right, mm-hmm. is the expansion of the Supreme Court or it's another term Cory Booker on one. Supreme Court, right? It is a Cory Booker one. Um, how, how do you feel on that? No, how do you? I don't like it whatsoever. I agree 100%. He's talking about Um, like 15 judges. Yeah. And they're talking, he's also floating ideas of term limits and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. All sorts of different little things that change. But then he's also talking about that up in the number to 15. And I feel like so, all right, so let me start at term limits, right? Because I feel like the purpose of, of lifetime appointments for Supreme Court justice is to allow that person and their opinions to grow and change with the country, right? Like that's, that's at least how I look at that, you know, is that, is that the people on the Supreme court in theory would like, they would, they're there long enough to see differences in the country and be like, I have seen this, you know, I and I can, and I can use <laughs> this to help me make these decisions, you know, and I've okay. been around long enough to know that, while, you know, we are doing this weird shit in Yemen now, we did the same thing in Vietnam, and now, you know, then we had the Vietnam War, you know? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, that that's why those so, things are there. And okay. when you have people who are in for just 15 years, that's a really short amount of time to be having to oh, consider yeah. the entire judiciary history of the country when you make a decision. I can't you know? imagine the disgust I would feel seeing a Supreme Court judge campaign. That disgusts me in no way I can even think of. But 
I will say that Um, I don't agree with you, by the way, on your outlook towards the Supreme Court. What do you think? My idea on the Supreme Court is I love this. Why? I love when we don't agree. Right. Why? We might agree at the end, but we may not agree how we get there. Yeah, yeah. And my understanding is that the Supreme Court has a lifelong appointment for the sole purpose of making it so that you can be unpartisan. Mm-hmm. So that you have now the luxury of never having to compete for your job again. You've already earned your spot. You're there forever. And you are there to interpret and read the Constitution and make sure any laws that come up, any cases that come up, meet the the laws and the bounds within the Constitution of the United States full fucking stop. That's your only job. We don't want you to pay attention to anything else that's going on. Yeah. That's why when they go to State of the Union speeches, they sit there. They don't clap. They don't show emotion because they are not supposed to be people. They're supposed to be consistently nonpartisan, non-biased, you know, judges. I mean, the, the sole purpose of a judge is it's so, I mean, by definition, impossible yeah. to be a perfect judge because – no one is 100% unbiased. Right. No one gets the same interpretation from reading the con- Constitution as anyone else. But through your legislative, pro- I mean, your your judicial process and your rulings over a lifetime, you can earn that seat by saying you seem to be a very nonpartisan person who is very neutral and unbiased. We can trust you in this position. Right. And the partisan, yeah, like. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is like the perfect embodiment of this because I don't want to say she was the first, but she was, she's the, she's an all-star activist Supreme court judge. And you read it in some of her opinions, which are, if you're looking at it from a constitutional standpoint, disgusting to read. Yeah. Because there's, tell me in the constitution where that backs you up, please, because I don't understand it. It looks disgusting, but she's such a superstar. And now we have, you know, Kavanaugh's mostly the the new one, but you know we have our guys on the right, and they have their guys on the left, and and then there's like the one or two swing votes supposedly. I mean, mm-hmm. every single judge, you should know which way they're going to go if you have an understanding of the Constitution. I mean, they're just there to figure out the problems that obviously none of us can figure out. Yeah, but I mean, it, everybody should be a swing vote at that point because. Who knows how the Constitution's going to read? Right. And I, I certainly don't mean that when I say that their opinion should change with the country. I certainly don't mean socially. I mean politically, right? I mean, I mean in the way that at one point we had slaves and then another point we're talking about, you know, uh, separate but equal. And then we're Word. talking about giving people rights. That, that's what I mean, right? That they evolve with the country. Not that they change socially based on in a political aspect like yeah. RBG, right? I, cause I, I agree with you. It's that is tough. not the purpose of, of a Supreme Court judge. I mean, the lifetime appointment in part, because I also agree largely with what you said. I had not considered it that way before. Um, which is, I don't think my we disagreed. Deal, but, we just came at right. it from different places. But I, so I 100% agree, right? So I would say my, my opinion is, is in part of why I mm-hmm. think they have a lifetime appointment, right? Yeah. Is so that they are there long enough for their opinions to grow with the country, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's going to be some people who get on there just because of their own personal beliefs that are going to see something like when fucking, you know, separate but equal. There are going to be people that are like, well, I don't, 
agree with that personally, you know, but constitutionally, this is where we're at and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, whatever. At the time, this is the reading and this is the Mm -hmm. argument that's been made on this side is more legitimate, right? But they're going to have to go against what they think personally because of what is best for the country, right? And I think that that's... Could, yeah. I think that that's part of the jam. In a perfect world, I could see the easy one. Let's take slavery, for example, right? Yeah. It has been constitutional for a long time. It was for a long time, right? But then eventually you get you get to a point where socially it's 65. not acceptable, right? It's right. not acceptable anymore. Well, that you send a case up to the Supreme Court, they go, well, no, that is still constitutional technically. That triggers the legislature to go, okay, right? Well, we know that this we need to make a change now. Right. Write an amendment, send it up the chain, boom, constitution changed now, and the Supreme Court can rule, a, you know, on the next case or whatever. Now the laws changed. We're right. Good. Right, and yeah. that's a reflection because that's I mean, their job is not is not to grow socially, right? Yes. Because that's their there is to grow politically with the country, you know, with the and, constitution. E- yes, because the and, constitution continually gets amended. And I see there are obviously different things, but the country and the constitution are very much deeply interwoven, yes. you know. And so as as the country grows, so does the constitution. Yeah, you know, and so that's. I do use the terms in this case sort of interchangeably because I feel like, like I said, as the country is growing, the Constitution will grow, and that's why we've mm-hmm. added amendments. That's why things have changed. Yeah. That's why. And in, uh, understand know. when I say that, like I'm not talking about those. You know, when we talk about Supreme Court judges and stuff, how right. some of them say the the Constitution is a living and breathing document. It's open right. for interpret. No, it's not. But we as the people, <laughs> we have the we as the people have the power to change it as if it were a quote unquote living document. Right. We've done it before. We know it's a good thing. We have plenty of great amendments in there that we have ref- we've refined the constitution. Yeah. And so that that's what I mean when I when I say right, stuff like right. that. Because our understanding and our perception of it is going to grow all the time. And that's how yeah. you get away from something like slavery, where you get to the Supreme Court and they're like, well, technically, you know, yeah. and then you're like, oh, shit. Like, I knew we got to do something about that. You know, yeah. that's not right. And we so, may collectively change how we want to run our society full bore. And that's, again, and that's why, like, the Convention of States is a thing. So that the people can put forth amendments to the constitution the people themselves without the federal government doing it yeah you know usually the the quickest fastest way is to have your federal representatives create it and run with it but you could do it on the state level through the governorships and everything like that yeah it's much harder but it's possible but yeah that's that's the last kind of thing i remember cory booker really talking about yeah because i also listen i don't know if you heard it the interview on Pod Save America with him. Mm-hmm. That was a nice, like, hour long one. Yes. But I'm having a feeling we're going to need to wrap up, aren't we? We're getting um, close. Let's see. We're at like 11 30. So we got a little bit of time. Um, but that's good because we have some conversation that we can have about because like, so we, we can announce the Mueller report real quick. Uh-huh. We hit on the Trump veto. Oh, yeah. The Mueller report. Neither of those things are <laughs> big things. Um, so the Mueller report yesterday, it was, let's see what today is the 23rd. So it was March 22nd uh, that Robert Mueller turned his report into Attorney General William Barr. So what happens now? Right. And this has been a huge point of controversy is William Barr, uh, at least as far as exposure to the public, William Barr looks over the report and decides how much of it is released for public consumption, because obviously some of it is going to have classified information. Some of it he doesn't feel is appropriate. It's whatever. There's a lot of senators, representatives that have been tried to pressing him 
that have tried to press him into saying that he will release the report in full. He obviously cannot do that for those reasons I just stated. Yeah. Um, There's actual rules written down about what he can and cannot release. Right, right. Um, and so I have seen reports, and I have, I'm not binding anything, but that's the things that I've seen pop up my phone have said that people have come out from the Justice Department and said that no new charges have come out of the Mueller report. Which is something I would believe at least up to now because no new charges have been announced yeah. as far as the president or anybody. Right? It would and not it, make sense for new charges to come out. No. Um, because Bob Mueller has indicted a vast number of people right. already. Right. He has the power to do that and make that happen. Why would there be more afterwards? And I, anything that has to do with, like, we saw there was something else that he handed over to prosecutors. Oh, it was fucking Paul Manafort. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 So when he find when he finds things that are not involved in the scope of his investigation, they get handed over to somebody else. So there could very well have been things he found <clears throat> that deserve further investigation, but he wouldn't be the one to do those things. It would be whatever uh, entity in that district that has jurisdiction over whatever. So probably whatever federal federal prosecutor is in. Whatever the crimes happen. Well, this know? is why we have the cases going in the uh, Southern District of New York right, right now. Right, right. And I'm not these saying are things that he found and then sent off to where they belong to be right. investigated. And I'm not saying that more of that has happened since this report came out, but I'm saying that yeah, it wouldn't come from Mueller or from the Attorney General unless. Unless President Trump directly involved himself in the elections with the Russians, there would be nothing that would come out from the Justice Department having to do with charges, having to do yeah. with the president or anything like that. Because that is the one thing he would not do. And in he that would case, not indict a sitting president. Right. So e even in that case, he wouldn't indict him, but he would say, we have found, he may say, because he may not even announce it, but the one thing he would do, if anything, would say, we have found evidence of this, and you know we are going to give this to the Judiciary Committee in the Senate and to the Judiciary Committee in the House mm -hmm. and the Oversight Committees, and we are going to let them do what they do. The Senate will prosecute, the House will impeach, everything will be done, and then we will prosecute president trump yeah um and that because that's the only way that that would happen right because like you said he's not mm -hmm. going to especially having just been put into the attorney general seat he's not going to indict a sitting president so no obviously know. we'll talk about that as more develops if anything else develops from it because it could very well be that paul manafort and, and the Papadopoulos and these other guys yeah. are the only thing that comes out um and in all reality that's probably a good thing because if there's, say, it's a collusion attempt or something like that, I mean, it's going to be found out in the Southern District of New York. No court, collusion. Not in the Bob Mueller report. It would probably not be his purview. I mean, it might be if there was direct involvement. Yeah. Because that's he was looking into Russian interference in the campaign. Period. Right. In the election. And, you know, so it's going to be what it is, man. We, we have a number of, you know, Russians that are indicted. That'll never get arrested. That he found helped stir up the pot, and so they won't get extradited. No, yeah, Come on. yeah Putin ain't gonna do that, right? <clears throat> but so, yeah. So in the meantime, I would, I would, I've already seen a number of stupid stories come out from like CNN politics and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, you know, Bob Mueller's investigation over, and now the AG has it. What does this mean for Trump? Nothing. Don't read anything like that. That's pure speculative garbage. No, the only thing that I would do. Is, just listen to this podcast. Yes. 
That's really it. <laughs> because we are going to be one of about four media sources countrywide that are just going to be delivering you the information from the report and not any of the speculation. I mean, we'll tell you what they say, but we're also going to tell you not to fucking buy into it because it's bullshit. Yeah. You know? So. It's freaking bullshit, man. Just, just, just stay here. You know, just keep right listening here. here and we'll we'll steer you right in the happy place. So uh, <laughs> the next thing we're going to talk about is the Trump veto, like we touched on earlier. Yeah. So it was passed 5941 in the Senate, 245, 182 in the House was the joint resolution to overturn the national emergency that the president is using to try. Did I get that right? Yeah, you got it. 50, you say 5941, 245, 182. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, uh, there was house. It was passed through the House and the Senate, which was going to block President Trump from reallocating funds using the national emergency as justification. And it got to his desk, and he vetoed that shit. So first veto of his presidency. Fucking idiot. Um, yeah. So which in this particular case, is a direct contradiction to the will of the people. Am I not? Am I? Am I wrong here? No, it is also the first time. And let me let me be very specific because I mean very much what I say, and then I will clarify again afterwards, just so everyone fucking knows that what I'm saying is true, right? Just so we're clear, this is the first time that a president has ever used a national emergency to directly reallocate funds that have been directly denied by Congress. Right. So it is not the first time that a president has used a national emergency to do something he wanted and reallocate funds. Right. Mm -hmm. It is the first time the funds have been directly denied by Congress, who has the purse strings and the powers of allocation in this country. Right. Directly denied by them and then circumvented using a national emergency, a farce as admitted by himself Mm -hmm. as justification to do this. This is unprecedented. This is unconstitutional, probably. I didn't um, need to do this, but I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> what? Unconstitutional, oh, probably. Bad words. Bad um, words. And we'll find that out uh, because if if it so it has to be passed by two thirds vote through the House and the Senate, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a a lot, a lot of shit. That's a lot of people that have to come on board with it. Let's see. That's what is it? 67 in the Senate that you have to get. So that's going to be eight more votes from the Republicans that you have to get in the Senate. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know what it is in the house. Um, there's 435 voting members, um, of the house. So two thirds of that, whatever it is, um, Four, rounded up 435. To, yeah. 435. 435 times, say six, yeah, 60% majority. Yeah. Point six, so two sixty one. So, so well, there not you that go. many, though. Not no, that many. No, more that's in the house, not. No, less than twenty. Um, the house is always easier. That's something that could probably be whipped up. Yeah. Um, but the Senate, the Senate will be a challenge. Yeah. Um, especially because you had people like, like Ben Sass, um, that voted that did like they didn't vote to yeah. overturn this. You know, a couple of people who came out and said that they would, and then did and then not. did not. Um, so for quote unquote reasons, which so it's, I don't. Possibly you yeah. could get those people back, but obviously something happened to make them shift their opinion, whatever yeah. it was. Um, so is Ben Sass coming up for re-election? And that's what they were talking about in the politics podcast, and that most of these people who did not vote mm-hmm. are up for re-election in 2020. And I think that's why they yeah. postulate that they're doing that. It's a shame, man. We is, need John McCain back. John, John McCain didn't give two fucks about dealing with T Dog Millionaire. Let's let's touch now, on that. Right. Well, somebody like Lindsey Graham, before we get on the, the John McCain wagon. John it, McCain somebody train. like, what's that? 
John McCain train. The John McCain train. The McCain train. That's great. Just so everyone in America can hear that. Boom. Dad jokes all over the place. Coined. But Lindsey Graham is a guy I feel has has lost his way entirely when after <sighs> John Lindsey McCain Graham. died. Yeah. You know, he we had this new Lindsey Graham 2.0. He was fired up, he was animated, but now all of a sudden he's homies with with Trump and I don't I don't get it. I really don't get it. I don't know. Um because he used to be adamantly against him. I mean, he ran against him for president, for God's sakes. Right. And there's also people like, uh, let's see, I got some some something here, right? Uh, so when President Trump said that shit that we'll talk about in a minute about John McCain, mm-hmm. right? Oh. Mitch McConnell came out and gave a statement in favor of John McCain, but doesn't want even mention, mention President Trump or him having said anything about it, right? Yeah. Why are you being such a little bitch? Like, since when? Is it not your job to call out members of your party that are acting like stupid assholes? And is that not exactly what the president is doing, is acting like a stupid asshole? Yeah. Because you now have somebody who, regardless of your stupid, ignorant fucking opinion, draft-dodging fucking opinion, right? Oh. Regardless of your opinion, was a war hero, was was held captive for years in in service of this country, and you're gonna say they're not a war hero, and now they're dead, and you're gonna talk shit, really, dog? After you draft dodged, admittedly, supposedly, according to Michael Cohen, right? You draft dodged, and now you're gonna talk shit about somebody who served and was served as a prisoner of war for the same war that you dodged? Are you fucking kidding me? Fuck off! Like, why do we accept this from anybody else? Because, and I don't like to continually compare President Trump and President Obama, but if Obama said that shit about President McCain oh, or, or about John McCain, are you fucking kidding me? That would have not been so good. Are you fucking? They'd be talking about fucking impeaching his ass. Are you, yeah. You're got You're joking, right? Yeah. Like, I can't even. I can't imagine the size of the bricks that Mitch McConnell would have shit <laughs> if. If Obama would have said something like that, uh-uh. you know, I can't uh-uh. imagine. So I'd, it's absurd to me, and not even, not even the politicians, right? But but the constituents, yeah, like, that there are members of this country, citizens of this country, who will accept that type of rhetoric from our president. Be like, that's cool. That's ludicrous. Because because he voted because he voted thumbs down on a fucking bill that the that the president wanted that would have fucked you over anyway because you don't know the difference between Obamacare and the fucking <laughs> and the Affordable Care Act. You don't know what I'm that. saying? Yeah. Like, really? All right, you stupid fucking asshole. I can't even believe that, man. I don't regardless of your opinion on John McCain, he's a fucking war hero, man. Yeah. Fucking war hero. Like shit, dude. I can't do it anymore. I love Jane Fonda, but I hate John McCain. You're a fucking idiot. Stupid. I used to pee on Jane Fonda. Did you know that? What? Uh Uh-huh. Do you guys have like a mat in the bottom of the toilet? No. Or on the back of the urinal? Yeah, it was a... uh, There was a VFW uh, in Rhode Island we used to go to all the time. And uh, in the urinals, in the men's room, all the urinals had a picture of Jane Fonda. That's funny. Well, you got to realize. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I oh, I get it. Over there to at the VFW. So, well, so lest you not forget, I just finished watching Ken Burns' Vietnam War documentary not that long ago. Yeah. For like the third time. So 100%. They've got footage from when she was in Vietnam and 
some, of the, bad, some of the shit that she said and i'm like oh my god i cannot believe that you really went there and said that like yeah. there are military members standing 20 yards from you and you I are wish that was all just bullshit propaganda and, yeah and you are saying that um they're they're war criminals okay hmm. so yeah. that's where we're at kind of trashy um, yeah super crazy uh so we will keep you guys updated as far as the Trump veto on the national emergency, because if the two-thirds vote is not able to be reached in the Senate and the House, then it just goes to the courts. And it gets battled in the courts whether or not this is an acceptable, which I cannot imagine that it goes any higher. I mean, obviously, they'll appeal it, but it's mm-hmm. not going to get to the Supreme Court because they're going to be like, y'all are stupid. He said that it's that he doesn't need to do it. No. Yeah. So I can't imagine. Then we're going to go to the Supreme Court, and then we're going <laughs> to a bad ruling, and then we're going to go to the appeals court, and hopefully we'll get a good ruling. Right. I forgot. So the, the president f- lined all that out for you in the Rose Garden. Yeah. So, um, oh, my God. I, I still. We played that a couple episodes ago. I'll, I'll link to that. Um, so bad. Trump clip. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So. I think that was the same speech when he said he didn't need to do it. Yes, That's one in the same. The Rose Garden, the infamous Rose Garden. Which we told everyone that they should listen to. So if you didn't already, then you're a silly fuck anyway. You silly fuck. Silly, silly salmon. So um, I think that, that is all that we have. Oh, I want to talk about Trevor Noah real quick. Oh. Okay. I did, before we do that? Yes. We'll just throw this for out there for what it is. Maybe we'll talk about some more of the candidates next week. Finish up with a couple of them. But did you see that Beto O'Rourke's numbers um, opening day of campaigning beat out Bernie Sanders? I did by $0.2 million. Yeah, something like that. Kickflip, bong rip, Beto's in. Oh, dog. So, Thank you, Ben Shapiro. Yep, Beto O'Rourke is out here. He's got a fuckload of money um, that he raised. I'd like to see where his money came from, right? Because Grassroots. Apparently. It's, it's all from, yeah, from same thing small from, donors. Yeah, same thing as Bernie. Words. Then but, I'm not mad at it. Because, but we can get more into that. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about week, that maybe. more next week. We'll have a more organized, not that this was disorganized, but a more, uh, it'll be less topics probably. Um, so, but I want to talk about Trevor Noah real quick, yes. just as like a pop culture on the way to sports, right? Uh-huh. So, Jay Ainsley was on uh, The Daily Show with Trevor Noah this week. Which was like a pretty okay interview, except he's a big lying sack of shit. <laughs> um, so and, bad. <laughs> so, so we talked about Trevor Noah for a minute, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't love Trevor Noah by any means because I thought that John Stewart was a thousand times better because John Stewart's fucking great. Yeah, right? he was great. Um, but I have like a really big problem with the weight that specifically people like Ben Shapiro put on like Trevor Noah and Stephen Colbert and Jimmy Kimmel, you know, mm-hmm. that they're like cornerstones of like American ideology and how people oh, feel, yeah. you know? And that's not the case. No. Like, and I don't think that, I don't know, I, just, I don't mind Trevor Noah because he's a comedian, you know? Like, he's very much a comedian who is there to make jokes and be a fucking idiot, and he's uninformed, you know? Like, he he is from South Africa and has been here for a couple of years and doesn't know shit about yeah. America, you it's know? It's pretty funny. And it's, it is evident when you listen to him talk about things. Like, his jokes are... Funny, like half the time, like the writers are okay on there. Yeah, um, maybe. They're not as good as they were when Jon Stewart was there, you know. Yeah. Even if they're the same writers, the jokes aren't as good. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty okay, you know. But like when you, if you listen to his actual stand up or anything like that where he talks about like politics, like his understanding of it is not vast, you yeah. know. Um, and he's very, so, he seems like a, he's dipping his toe in the water. <clears throat> it's, and I, it's, it's unfortunate, I think, that they chose him because 
There is, I watched another show with Jordan when we took those three weeks off for the baby. Um, that's called the 2000s. And it's just like a, you know, a show about the first, like 2000 or 2010. And oh, that's cool. things that happened. And it was done through CNN, but it was still pretty good. It's like a, a biography series, you know? And so part of it was about news and like all day news networks and like how that changed in these 10 years. It was like a thing. And so they talked about Crossfire. Right. Tucker yeah. Carlson used to be on Crossfire when he was on MSNBC or CNN, whatever that was on. Yep. And so there was one time when John Stewart was on there and John Stewart is on there and he's calling them the fuck out for not progressing the country the way that they should and for being too partisan and like not doing what they're supposed to do. And Tucker Carlson tries to talk shit about John Stewart and he says, he says, I'm sorry. Your lead in is, you know, fucking Don Lemon or whatever, which it wasn't at the time, but it's, you know, something more serious. And he says, yeah, my lead in is, is puppets prank calling people. So <laughs> I think, I think there's a little bit of a difference in what I do and what you do, you know, like I, I'm on a comedy TV show and you're on MSNBC. Don't try and compare myself to you. Yeah. Like, and I, that's like, so such good. a huge difference, you know, between Jon Stewart and between Trevor Noah. And I think they made an yeah. unfortunate choice in person for the Daily Show, but. You know, it's not, I don't mind him because I don't pay much attention to him because mm. I he, think he largely doesn't know what he's talking about. And he's a fucking comedian. Yeah, he's okay just trying comedian. to get up there. Yeah. That's so, actually something I thought about because, yeah, Shapiro talks about those guys a lot. All the time. All the time. Cause like like everyone, he, he makes it seem like people are watching them instead of watching like CNN and MSNBC, but then talks about everyone's watching CNN and MSNBC. No one's getting their fucking news from The Daily Show. That's not how that works. I would sure hope not. Like, yeah, and, and I mean, they said something about it on Rogan, I think, earlier this week. That I mean, the age of these late night shows, it's dying so yeah. quick, man. It's just, it's the the canned laughter, that whole thing. It's just, there's enough comedy out there now that that just seems forced and faked and it's just not what people want anymore no and no like, one don't wants think to... it's nobody cares about what they say on there sometimes i mean especially with the guys that are in now this is definitely the b squad for all those shows <laughs> you know what i mean and it sucks because stephen colbert was really good when he did the colbert report yes when stephen colbert was a democrat pretending to be a republican and interviewing people that was the greatest thing to ever happen to comedy central for him to for john stewart and then to go back to back with the colbert report that was like the best thing that ever happened to them, you know? And then they like let him be free reign and be him. And he, you got to let him act, man. Make yeah. him act. Like make don't, act. don't do this. Like make him act because that was great. Like yeah. that was awesome. You guys are pretending that like this acted out show is a legit personality comment commentary show and it's not it was fantastic and then you try to flip it into that it don't work so well sometimes and they did they had an election special um stephen colbert and john stewart when president obama got elected right and so the whole time they're in care and john stewart played very much who he was on the daily show because like that's kind of how that was but the colbert report was developed to be a counter to the daily show because that's who stephen colbert was on the daily show you know and so they hosted an election special and because Stephen Colbert is like really pretty deeply progressive, you know, when Barack Obama gets elected, he started to cry. Right. And he's like, so moved by, he starts to cry and he's like, has to kind of turn away and he's like, you know, doing whatever. And John Stewart, <laughs> knowing him for so long, like 
kind of turns and takes the camera to himself and like just carries the show for a couple minutes while Stephen Colbert gets it together because he's like, I can't do this. I have to be like a deeply devout Republican. I can't be crying because I'm so happy that Barack Obama just got elected. And I was, so they're talking about that show. I was like, that is awesome. Like what an amazing friendship between those two. You know, that he's that like, that's how it's going to be because if they didn't like each other. He would have been like, look at this fuck. Look at this fuck crying right here. He loves Obama. But, uh, and that just, that doesn't exist anymore. No, no, it just doesn't. doesn't. And it's sad, but, uh, I'm trying to think. There was something else that I wanted to bring up, and I totally forgot what it was. Somebody, I think I listened to this week. Eh, maybe it'll come to me next week. That's all right. We can hit a little bit of sports if sports. you'd like. Oh, shit. Comic-Con. Oh, yeah. And Meat Eater. I didn't want to forget that. So these maybe we can hit next week because there's a lot of topics here that Meat Eater was really interesting, right? So here we are in downtown Seattle. Yeah. And... We're, I mean, we're at the Moore Theater, which it's not a very uh, conservative area. We'll just say that. Right. Right. And so here we are, line. You remember when we went to JVP? Yeah. There's no real line. We're just kind of like all funneled in. Stand in that room. Yeah. Dude, there was a line going all the way around the corner to the, around the fucking block. Really? We got in, and it's nothing but people in fucking camo with big beards, ball caps like the one I'm wearing right now. That's funny. And, And it was just. The weirdest thing to see in Seattle. But throughout that show, it got pretty political at times. And I was like, really interesting. Because it's all stuff that has made its way into the hunting world. Hunting and fishing world. Yeah. And so, we'll just I'll just touch on a couple of them. So, give you an idea of what we can maybe get into next year. Or next week. Next year. Next You're year. waiting until next year. Right. So there was an, this talk of about a, what we call a backpack tax. Yes. In Washington, right? Yeah, you mentioned that. Um, and so there were some surprising outlooks on that, which I was very surprised about. Um, there was a, oh, Yanni Chimani. So Giannis Patelis. Yep. The Latvian Eagle. The Latvian Eagle. This one's really quick and it's fun. So I'll just, I'll tell you. He has, he explained to people his one to tell, one to 10 marriage rule. Yes. It's the easy, you've heard about this, yeah, right? I love it. And so essentially, for those of you who don't know, basically, whenever you get into an argument or something with your significant other, and it's the, the real truth is nobody wants to be in that fight. Right. Nobody does. You just want it to end and you want to be able to get over it and move on and get back to normal. And so he found himself in one of these arguments and he suggested at one point you just stop the conversation and you say, you know, you look at your significant other and say, on a scale of one to 10, how important is this to you? And if theirs is higher than yours, you move on. You just agree to make each other happy and you move the fuck on. Yeah. So the only, there's a slight danger to that, just a little bit, as if you're having an argument and, and you say like Jordan's importance level is like a fucking 10 and you're like a two. Then she's going to get mad at you for not caring about it. <laughs> so there's, you know, there's that's a funny. little double-edged sword there. But that's I, really funny. I thought that was really funny, and I found myself utilizing that in every everyday life now, not even just with like relationships. Um, but there was some stuff about the the hunting world. Um, there's a balance between predator and prey, and you know, kind of how well a certain predatory species or prey species is doing. 
that's kind of how they figure out what kind of tags they're going to give out and how many can be culled from the herd and all right. that stuff. But the funny thing to think about is when you bring that over to the aquatic realm, and especially here in like the Northwest where mm-hmm. we have orca pods and, all that shit. and salmon, we regulate how much salmon you can catch and all this good stuff. But it's a fuck ton, obviously, right? But we don't, we don't cull the orca herd. So that they don't starve and die, because we have a we have pods right now in the Puget Sound that are They're fucking endangered. starving. They're endangered. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so, like, what do you do? You're just gonna. And so, I guess Jay Inslee has, and I'm gonna look into this this week. But he's apparently come up with an idea about trying to release more salmon from farm raised ones <clears throat> out into the world, so that these fucking orcas can eat. Instead of so their idea, and so their idea at the Meteor Podcast was instead to kill some of the larger. No, 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 no. There was no decisions made. Oh, they just said, "Why don't we?" It's just kind of a weird thing because in the hunting world, on land, it's different, right? Well, I would imagine it's because the numbers of orca whales are not enormous, and that's probably why that discussion is not had. You know, yeah, because you don't want to talk about killing them if you're trying to save them. You know, you want to talk about sustaining. Yes, um, but if you're in the hunting world, there's a huge debate going on about that. Particularly, like in this state right now, it's like with cougars, right? Lions. So, and I and I understand that argument. I guess you would just have to. I don't know that that's the case with whales. You know what I'm saying? That's all that I'm saying. Yeah. I know that that's the case with land mammals. That there you do, yeah. With but, to help stimulate the pop the population, you have to take out older males that aren't breeding. They're just killing things. Yeah. But I don't know that that's the case with whales. They See, fucking live like a hundred years. You know. And that's I just think it's really interesting that like yeah. that's never been a part of the discussion. And it where does that come from? Yeah, probably like the two systems just are totally different. I bet there are deep crevices of the marine biologist community that are like maybe we should just take out a couple of these whales. You know. Yeah. But then there's someone else who's like. That's fucking blasphemous. They're endangered, you fuck. Well, a lot of the times they they're trying to like capture them and move them in different areas where there are more food to like maybe link up with other pods and you know trying to transport them where there is food. But yeah, the aquatic world is just so much more different. Ooh, oh, dog! What did you just see? I'm so excited to fucking ask you about this. All right. What so do you want to stay? You want to save that other stuff for next week? Yeah. So those are just yeah, some of the things that we're going to talk about. But essentially, they're politically and socially, you know, culture war issues that are now playing themselves out in the hunting world. Deal. So there's they're fun ones. I'll send them to you. Words. Um, but other than that, yeah. Sports. Was, sports. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just going to say thought that's what you were going to say. I was just going to finish with the. That hunting podcast demographic, yeah. downtown Seattle. The next day was Comic Con. Ooh, so I, vastly different crowds you saw. It was so strange. <laughs> I didn't know what to do about it, but you know, the one thing I did realize: this stuff only ever happens in a city. Yes. It never happens in small town America. It's really interesting to see. Never going to see that in Kingston. No, no. I mean, man. Well, maybe. We'll talk about that next week. <laughs> so, yeah. Sports! Words. Um, so. Oh, NCAA? No. I want to start with this because this is quick. So, two weeks ago, we talked about Bryce Harper having signed like a $330 million contract. Just stupid. With the Phillies, right? Okay. So, <laughs> Mike Trout signed a new contract this week. Do you 
Who's Mike Trout, first of all? <laughs> See, that's the problem. <laughs> Mike Trout, I believe, is a center fielder for the Angels. Oh, okay. Um, and okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like widely regarded as like the best player in baseball. Center field is a legit so, position, though. So do you want to guess No. <laughs> how big his contract was? It was for 12 years. Do you want to guess how many dollars it was? Tree fitty. <laughs> Four hundred no four hundred and thirty million dollars, fully guaranteed over twelve years. Oh, that is a stupid amount of money. Fuck me, running forty three million it's from, Four, the, from the post. Four hundred and thirty million dollars. Yep, I bet you John Podhorns didn't write that. Yep. Do you ever read any of John Podhoritz's articles on I in the New not. York Post? This is by Dan Martin. Dan Martin. Damn, that's a lot of money, dude. Yeah. That's ridiculous. 430. Guaranteed for 12 years? Yep. Fully guaranteed. Lord. All the way. Make your kids play baseball. 430 divided by 12 years. It's 35. Good. $36 million dollars a year. What would you do with that I don't kind of even, money? I don't even know. I don't have any idea what you do with $36 million a year. Okay, so here's the problem I have here. Year two, you run out of shit to buy. Why are all the fucking socialist, democratic, socialist <laughs> fucking people going after like corporate executives? They should be going after fucking baseball. <laughs> Jesus, that is ridiculous. 430. Gosh. Yeah. All right. Well, good for him. Well, next week, we'll talk about Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax, because I forgot to write that down. So we'll talk about it. They have it. so many crazy ideas, we can't yeah. keep track of all of them. Hers is like 2% if you make over $50 million. Every year, yeah. you pay 2% of everything over $50 million. And if you have over a billion dollars, you pay 3% every year. And you can go give that money to your mom and your pa. And she said that if you do it over 10 years, you get two and three quarter trillion dollars. Still won't pay for Medicare for all, but that's <laughs> we can't afford Medicare for all for oh, the all funny. we cover now. That's funny. That's why it was supplemental. Okay, so Anyways. Uh, March Madness is going on right now, and the Ducks beat Wisconsin last night, and it was balling. Um, so we're gonna keep doing that. So, do you follow that? Last year I did. This year, no, because I haven't watched any basketball, and I didn't fill out a bracket or anything. Last mm-hmm. year I did. Okay. This year, no. Um, I watch I watch Oregon play because I love Oregon, and I'll yeah. watch them play anything. Um, but you're just not deep into it this year. No, no, because um, they do a pool at work too, like five bucks, and you that's fill out a right. Bracket and then you win all the money, whoever gets the most right. But I um, blithely fill it out. And then gave him my money and just, I figured, it's like buying a lotto ticket. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know anything about what That's I'm talking about. That's how it is about. for the squares at work, too. Yeah, it's bullshit. Oh, yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> so let's talk about paying NCAA athletes, right? Because yes. I heard like a couple months ago that they're talking about, someone's talking about, they're trying to introduce paying NCAA athletes. And I spoke to a couple of different people about it. And some people are super not in favor of it because they're like, that's not what you're there for. You're there for education and that's what you're going to scholarship. And that's why you're whatever. Right. But only like a small fraction of those kids get scholarships. Like there's only like, I don't know, maybe like 12 full contracts for like football and then like 10 half contract or like half, scholarships for football they've right? done like a lot of documentaries so, and stuff on this stuff right yeah and i might have seen some of them and it's it's a billion dollar year interest industry oh, the ncaa stupid. sports um so Needs to be fucking in there. Mm. so the argument of 
the scholarships only hold so much weight for me because only so many of those kids are getting scholarships, yeah. you know? Um, only like the real f- dope ones that that Most, maybe have yeah. a chance of playing NFL are, are getting scholarships. And even know? the people that are at that level, it's still a fraction of. Because yes. there are people out there doing dirt. Yep. Just trying to get... Just trying to get by. So where do you sit with paying NCAA athletes, college athletes? 100% torn. (laughs) (laughs) I like Uh, how I did that. Okay, so. that's I love that. As it is right (laughs) now, um, you got to be paying them motherfuckers. Yeah. Period. As it is, the way it runs and is operate now, and it is so fucking disgustingly dirty, and you're taking advantage of these people and just making stupid money off of it. Mind you, the schools get a little bit of it. But yeah. in the grand scheme of things, you know, there's a lot of coaches. Like, I mean, you've got coaches that are making multi million dollars a year. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Football coaches, Nick Saban, you know how much fucking money Nick Saban makes yeah, every but year? Yeah, but like that, the athletics department is one thing. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, where is some of the most money in college football? Texas. Yeah. Right? Texas is huge. It's got like per capita. But those schools themselves are. 8.3 million is what Nick Saban makes every year. And he's the head coach of Alabama football. He makes eight and a half million dollars a year mm-hmm. to coach their football program. But you know what? You know who's not going to that school? The greatest fucking scholars on the planet. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying it's a bad school, but right. like with the amount Probably of money coming in, the the school overall does not see that like increase in, you know. They should be able to fund that university for fucking free with the amount they make from the NCAA. Yeah. You're paying your fucking coaches that much? Right. Everybody should be able to go to that fucking school for free. It's just, I don't like that aspect of it. Yeah. Because it's it's dirty. But if it's going to be a thing, because people love watch, watching you know, college football and college, college basketball, college sports in Softball, general. People love it. Everybody love college sports. Right. And so there's an industry behind it. But at the end of the day, it's it's tough to, it's like you almost can't equate it with the education side of it. You got to break it apart into its, its own separate right. entity so that those people can go to school, but in their pastime get paid to do this side gig playing sports. You know, I don't know how you would do it. Ideally, there would just be a minor league fucking football league set up. Yeah. Because that's what NCAA is. It's fucking, it's minor league baseball. And I, um, I certainly wouldn't say that they, before I move on though, I want to note that Urban Meyer, who was the head coach for Ohio State, I think, last year he got suspended for like six games because one of his coaches was beating his wife and he knew about it and didn't do anything about it. And this guy's making $7.6 million a year to coach fucking football. You know what I got to say to that? Um, Penn State. (laughs) Um, Penn State. That's how bad it can get. So I'm not saying that these kids should be making as much money as they're going to make in the NFL because no kid when they're 18 years old needs fucking $30 million. You know what I'm saying? But give the motherfuckers some money so they can eat, so they can have an apartment, so they can have maybe like a house that they're renting or something. You know, they don't need to buy a house because especially if they're going to play in the NFL, they're going somewhere else anyway, you know? But like, I think that they should get paid if they're going to be essentially being used for so much fucking profits like that and only so many of them are actually getting educational benefits from it you know yeah. 
And I don't mean I don't mean a degree. I mean like a fucking scholarship. You know, half those kids got to still pay their way to go to college and play sports at the same time. And they have to have a job because they're not getting any money. You know what I'm saying? So many of those kids have to have jobs because they can't afford to live. And when they because they don't have time to do anything else because they got sports in school. And when they don't make it into the NFL, they're saddled with all that debt. Yep. Because they can't afford to pay for school without the the federal college loans. If you're not going to at least give them a free school, give them some money, you know, yeah. so they can at least pay off some of their school loans while they're playing fucking football, you know, while they're in school, give them money, you know, yeah. something. Yeah, it's a fucking dirty business, dude. Sports, uh, oh, fucking sports ball, um, sports ball. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, I, I, it's the South Park sports. episode, the crack baby. Oh, league yes. or something like that. That's oh, where they talk um, about the NCAA. Sarcastable. Sarcast- no, no, not sarcastable. The little, it's the little crack babies. Yeah. That they, and then they make them, yeah, they like move this ball around or whatever. Cartman essentially, he goes to like the leader of the NCAA and he's, he refers to all the players as slaves. Yeah. And so Cartman walks in there all like Colonel Sanders. Yeah. Sandersy, you know? Yes. So what are y'all doing? Where are you getting them slaves? You know who <laughs> I'm talking about. All them guys out there throwing the football around. Yeah. It's that's what it is, man. It's disgusting. And I remember that episode and he's like, Oh right, they're not slaves. We just don't pay them. Mm-hmm. So that's all. We just don't we just use them up. We get them out there working and we yeah. don't pay them. That's all. They get out there, they work for us, <laughs> and then they make us lots of money. And we just don't have to I mean we just don't pay them. That's right. It was it was so good. South Park is fucking good. great. If you ever look South Park for the social commentary that it provides, you're ignorant. You know what I'm saying? Dude, it's so that's good. a great show. It is so great good. They show. do so good. They introduced me to Scientology. Scientology. I saw in Seattle the other day, across the street from the Scientology building, mm-hmm. uh, on the other sidewalk was uh, a bunch of Jehovah's Witnesses. Yes, <laughs> that's funny. That is two different worlds. Man. I like that. That's. That's fucking Seattle, man. All right. Well, let's hit that sports news for this week. So the Dolphins, they signed uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick to a two-year deal. So they got good old Fitzmagic down there. That's good. Uh, The Rams signed Blake Bortles to a one-year deal. He's going to be the backup to fucking what's-his-face. You know what I'm saying? The QB for the Rams. What the fuck? Uh, Don't make me. super young. Yeah, he is. He's Um, a baby. Yeah. And he just... Did not do so well in the Super Bowl. Jared Goff, that's his name. He fucking cracked under yeah. pressure, bro. Um, they also signed Clay Matthews to a two-year deal, $16.5 million from the Packers, right? So Clay Matthews over on the Rams now. <clears throat> what? Yep. Clay Matthews on that's the Rams. That's like a world-shattering that one. Sucks. He is beloved. Clay Matthews is great, too. He's wow. fucking great. Yeah. Um, He's a beast. The Eagles signed safety Andrew Sandejo to a one-year deal. He's out of Minnesota. The Bengals cut Vontez Perfect, and who's a linebacker. They signed O lineman Jake Fisher, and then they used to have a linebacker named Pac Man Safety, Pac Man Jones, mm-hmm. um, Adam Pac Man Jones, right? And we talked, Pac Man Jones. We talked a couple weeks ago about him because he had been arrested after having to try and che- after not having to. Oh my God! Ever after having tried cheating in a casino, um, and then he threatened to kill somebody, and so now he's going to do ten days in jail, and he's got to go eighteen months with no alcohol. Um, ten so, days in jail, huh? Yeah, and that's it. That's and everybody it. else is getting locked up for how many years? <laughs> that's all I'm saying. 
Um, I guess he's Pac-Man Jones. The Chiefs signed quarterback Bashad Breland and hmm. Tyreek Hill, right? The amazing wide receiver out of Kansas City. There's some allegations stirring around him having to do with allegations that are actually tied to his girlfriend. Um, so his fiance is listed under others involved on a domestic violence report that it's being speculated is having to do with their son. Um, so, you know, there's no, he has another domestic violence incident in 2014, um, in which he pleaded guilty to punching and then choking his girlfriend. Um, and he was kicked off the Oklahoma state football team and then received a deferred three year sentence that was later expunged from his record in 2018. Um, wow. So we don't know. Yeah. Yet exactly what the deal is. You know, we just know that there's something going on but dude's in got his a family. But he does have a history of that. Um, and I guess it came out after their kid had a broken arm. Um, and so they're trying to figure out what the deal is yeah. with the broken arm. Um, and, you know, it could have been that something happened and he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. You know, so he, yep, may, absolutely. he may... And even I'm not though trying he to has speculate a history, or anything. Yeah. You know, generally speaking, it's not just... After a while, like people that get into those t- domestic disputes, uh, definitely not all the time or any- anything like that, but it does happen sometimes where both parties mm-hmm. instigate things and they both are that way, not just always just one. So it could be he was gone and some shit went down and she flew off the handle or you never know. Right. We're speculating. Absolutely. Um, so it's interesting, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what's going to happen because last week Kareem Hunt, you know, he got, he got eight games after the video. I don't know if you ever watched the video, but Kareem Hunt like kicked this girl. He's the running back for the Chiefs. Oh. Um, and he like kicked a girl and like pushed her down and all this shit. Yeah. He only got eight games, which I was really surprised that he only got eight. Not because I feel like he should get fucking more than that, but because of just the way that the league is going, I was surprised he only got eight games. I mean, doesn't um, that, isn't that illegal? It, you know, isn't that assault and battery? You know. Don't most people go to jail for shit like that? I, yeah, no. Mm, yeah, no. So, but in the NFL world, I guess they just have a different scale of justice over there. Yeah, um, it, is, it is a strange place. Yeah, now he's gonna play. I mean, theoretically, he'll play backup to Nick Chubb in Cleveland because um, Cleveland Chubbs. signed him. But I don't know. He's awfully good, you know. Yeah. So it seems weird that they would sign him to not use him. That's true. Uh, but he's still in his rookie deal, so he's not making that much money right now. So it's not like a big hit for them to sign him. It's just a PR thing. Yeah. It doesn't look very good for them to sign him. But um, so the Steelers signed linebacker Mark Barron to a two-year deal. The Panthers signed Bruce Irvin. His DN. Yeah. Bruce Irvin balling. Uh, the Cowboys signed Randall Cobb. Also out from the Packers. So they signed him to a one-year deal worth $5 million. What's going on with the pack? Yeah. Well, Randall Cobb has like a lot of injury. Um, so I, I don't know what they're doing in Green Bay. They're making um, moves. I, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Um, Dang. Yep. The Raiders signed Vontez Perfect to like as he got cut from the Bengals. And so the Raiders signed him to a one-year deal. Um, the Colts signed... Outside linebacker Justin Houston to a two-year deal, $24 million, which sucks really bad because that was one of the people that uh, we were ho- hoping that the Hawks would take a look at. So he needs more pass rushers there. Justin Houston's really good. We might have we been do. able to get him for pretty cheap. We just like got him for like $12 million a year, but that's that's probably everything, not what he's guaranteed. So it's probably mm. closer to like nine a year, which is 
That's I, that's mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah. That's not bad, especially Frank Clark is going to get seventeen on his fucking on his franchise tag, and we're going to get Justin Houston for eight or nine. That's pretty good. Yeah, like that's pretty good. Even if we are paying him twelve, that's I'm, good. I'm not going to lie. I I still to this day I I understand that professional sports salaries are just a different math altogether. You got to take the money out of it. It's and just I, numbers. It's so hard know? to like to know what. How like that compares to someone else, especially yeah. when there's certain people out there that are getting, I know there's baseball, but four hundred fucking thirty, <laughs> right, right. You know, like that. I'm going. Wait, is he? Was well, he like scraping by? And so a lot of it has to do with stats. And Justin Houston is really good. Like he had a bunch mm-hmm. of sacks last year. I don't remember how many is, but Justin Houston is really good. So he's got mad skills. Um, and so you have to compare it to other players and what they are getting and then what they're like liable to ask for and like yeah. whatever. So in this but, case, we've gotten some pretty good deals over. And that would the have been a great deal. Um, yeah. But we did not get him, obviously. I mean, I don't know if we didn't meet with him or we just weren't willing to pay him whatever we wanted or whatever. The Colts also have a fuckload of money. The Colts had like the number one cap space coming in over $100 million. They had to sign people. So maybe he just looks better over there. Maybe he likes. Their chances of going to the bowl better. I mean, uh, fucking Andrew Luck is really good. Yeah. So it's possible. The Ravens re-signed RG3. So RG3 is going to stay in Baltimore. He's going to be the backup to Lamar Jackson now because Joe Flacco is in Denver. Um, And then the Lions signed corner Rashawn Melvin to a $3.5 million deal. Hmm. Corner, huh? Corner. Corners are important. Yeah, because they have. I don't know how much longer Darius Slay is going to play. Um, he's I think he's getting older. Yeah, Darius Slay. He's fucking good, but you know. that's got to be. A, I don't know. I just can't see see that being an easy position to play, man. That's got to be one of the most difficult, most pressure positions. I think in football, right? Corner. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's just I gotta it's gotta be a lot of stress. Yeah, and you gotta be good because there's some fucking good corners out there. Anyways, sorry. No, fuck no. I'll talk about <laughs> football all day, bro. I don't give a fuck. You know, I just remember like, you know, because most of my experience with football is from the Seahawks, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I just see how in how clutch it is to have certain people, certain positions. And then when you lose it, you go, oh. Yeah. Oh, so that, oh yeah, he was beast mode. For a reason. As much as everyone hated Richard Sherman when he left here or, you know, they're... The thing that irritates me about sports, it seems maybe not especially in this area, but I noticed it a lot when like Richard Sherman left and Michael Bennett, that people were, were like, well, that's fine. I was starting to get tired of him anyway. I'm starting to yeah. get tired of his attitude anyway. Fuck you, man. Because last year when he's the number one court in the league, you're like, yeah, Sherman's fucking locked down. He's the greatest. out here shutting shit down. He's balling. Fucking rich out here. 25. You know what I'm saying? Fuck you, man. Like, that's yeah. bullshit. Like, I don't... It doesn't need to be like that because it didn't work out for them. Like, Richard Sherman's still the fucking man. He's still the fucking man. Oh, you yeah. Know? When you have someone who completely shuts down a sector of the field, that changes the whole fucking game. Changes yeah. the entire game on defense. Yeah. When someone just doesn't throw over there because it's not worth it to them. Because either it's going to get picked off or he's going to slap it down or the mm-hmm. guy's just not going to catch it. Like, And it works the opposite way. Somebody like Gronk. Yes. Who who could not get a he couldn't get what do you call that a uh, a catch yeah when yeah. you can't get a catch because they're just not going to throw it to you right because they're throwing all their defensive strength right there they've got to two neutralize three people you. on you yep you just can't get any play that and, and I that's will because say, if you put any less than three people on Gronk he will 
put his hands up, get it, and then break both those tackles and then run for 10 more yards. Game like, over, and dude. And it's just, fuck. Yeah, like, he's a fucking monster. And he's only 29. Yeah, he's going to be fine. They're, they're talking about him retiring this year. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know that he'll play next year, yeah. Because now it's so, like, you're going to pay him all that money just to stand there and look pretty and run? To only play maybe, half the season? Yeah. yeah his maybe get a couple really catches here up. and there? His back oh, is really right. fucked up. He had surgery last year. Yeah, so. he was always on the questionable. Yeah. He he was unquestionable in my fantasy for like, I don't know, six games maybe. It's yep. ridiculous. It sucks. Yeah. Word. So that's all I have for sports. So uh, we can... Can hit a quote and get the fuck out of here if you want. Word. All right, man. Last thing I gotta say, just tell me where to jizz so I can give this lady your drink. Not, not here. <laughs> <laughs>